Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. I'm joined as usual today by Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. He is the site expert editor-in-chief of PistonPower.com. We once again have another special guest with us today. We have Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press. You can find him on Twitter at Vincent underscore Ellis 56. He is, of course, the Pistons beat writer for the Free Press. Um, he's joining us from Las Vegas at the Summer League. How you doing today, Vince? What's up? I got a pretty cool intro there. Yeah. Special guest. I don't know if I get that very often, but I, I'll, I'll take it. Well, you know, when your podcast is our podcast, pretty much any guest with any sort of clout counts as being pretty special. So I have clout. I appreciate that, too. I mean, this is getting better and better. Yeah. This is a special podcast. It is a special <laughs> podcast. And uh, so we're going to kind of jump right into it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what everybody's sure. kind of talking about right now is uh, the whole Russell Westbrook situation. Um, you confused a great many people whose vocabulary apparently isn't so great by saying earlier today that the Pistons seemed lukewarm on the idea of Westbrook. Um, could you maybe just go into a little bit more detail maybe about where you see the Pistons standing on the possibility of a trade like that? You know, and that's one of the things why I kind of sometimes through aggregation, aggregation sites don't paint the full picture of what I actually reported. Uh, I lukewarm... I would say right now, currently, maybe I'll use a word. Maybe people will, will understand. Tap it. I didn't understand. I didn't know lukewarm was so confusing. But tap it. If you look um, as a for a synonym of lukewarm, tap it is a is a is a is a synonym. So I'm gonna use tap it for this podcast. Uh, but you know, I got a chance to talk to uh, a lot of people within the organization, and I would say. When you broached the topic of that rumor that the Pistons would be interested or a likely landing spot for Russell Westbrook, it wasn't um, a rousing endorsement for the move. Um, just for example, um, people like Kimball Walker become available. You're running up the flagpole. It's almost like, how can we get them? And they're like, you know they're actively thinking about how to get them. Bradley Beal, which is probably a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later in this. I mean, people get excited. They, they covet Bradley Beal. You didn't get that reaction when you think about the name Russell Westbrook. Now that doesn't mean that they won't like they, they won't trade for him tomorrow. But I'm just talking about I took the temperature of the Pistons organization, and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm for a Russell Westbrook move. Now, will they do the due diligence? Will they at some point talk about it, Russell Westbrook? Because when you look at the Blake Griffin. Uh, uh, window thing, which they wanted to try to maximize the next few years with Beth Griffin. Russell Westbrook could make sense in that regard, but ultimately, do the Pistons want to be on the hook for $88 million in the year 2021 when they hope to have cap space? That's ultimately the, the basis, and would an acquisition of Russell Westbrook make them okay with that prospect? So that's what you got to weigh, not Westbrook's talent. It's always about the contract, and I still think people lose uh, track of that. Koo, I'm going to let you say something, because I know that you are pretty firmly in favor of going after him. So what's your reaction to that, Koo? Sure. Oh, Koo, we can't hear you if you're trying to speak. Up. Up. Koo, you back now? Yeah, Koo's struggling. I see. <clears throat> Darn it. Okay. Um, I mean... Here's where I sort of stand on the Westbrook thing, is that obviously he would make the Pistons better, 
But my main concern is that I'm not sure that his... There, we heard that coup, so you can say something after I finish up here a sec. Um, I'm not uh, sure about whether or not his fit with Blake Griffin would be clean enough to maximize their talent. Because if you trade for Westbrook, you're essentially making a bet on talent, right? That you're just going to get the best player that you can, which, I mean, considering where the Pistons are at, he's a, certainly a very talented player. It would be an upgrade in that department. You're basically betting... Jackson. No one is disputing that. Yeah, and so you're basically betting on the talent to gel and mesh in such a way that you hit the talent upside. Because then, if you've got Westbrook, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond, you've got like two and a half all-NBA caliber guys on the roster. And that's sort of a base point where you could say this could maybe be a contender. But I think that Westbrook and Blake are just really not a clean fit. Um, They're both high IQ enough players that maybe they could just make it work, but they're both guys who really like to have the ball in their hands. Uh, They both like to dribble a lot, too. It's not just like, well, they both want the ball. They both like to kind of dribble the ball a lot. They like to just hold the ball a lot. Both of them are pretty poor off-ball defenders. Uh, there's just a lot of ways in which they overlap that I don't think it would be a clean enough fit to be a great chance to, you know, sort of maximize that talent. And then, like you said, his contract is just, it's scary, quite frankly. I mean, I don't even think his game is going to age that poorly just because he seems like the sort of guy who's such a good athlete and takes such good care of his body that there's a good chance he'll actually be okay into his 30s, but that's just a lot of money to pay a guy who I'm not sure that he's going to lift your ceiling beyond, you know, maybe being a fourth seed in the conference. And that's where I'm at with it. And I want to add one thing. Coming off statistically one of the worst shooting performances in NBA history. That's another thing to also add to that level as well. When you look at his true shooting numbers compared to his high usage rate. Yeah, well, his... His scoring efficiency has never been great. I make I would actually be optimistic about his efficiency bouncing back because a big part of his efficiency dipping this past season is that his free throws just went in the tank. And he, but that's been trending downward though. Okay, it is it, like he's you know he was seventy three percent and went to sixty five. I don't know. Can you count on this stuff? That's you. St- people can talk themselves into this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I just. Look, it's possible that he is an outlier and he's one of these guys that, which, you know, these sorts of things do happen where a guy, when he, late in his career, just gets worse at something like free throws, which it happens. But I would just bet on that rebounding. Um, look, he's never a good shooter. He's never, if you're relying, there's some people who are like, well, if he could just shoot like 34% from three, he did that once it's in his career. Happened. That's never happening. So, but I just, I think that his scoring efficiency, there'd be a good chance that bounces back up with better free throw shooting. Uh, he can still get to the rack. He still finishes at an elite level. That will still happen. And again, he's a better player. And we, we I think, Joe, we actually agree on this. What is your, what is, what is your uh, 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 ceiling with this group? I say four or five range. I mean, you said the same thing. That's, so do you want to, Kill all your flexibility, especially if he causes you have to give up a whole lot of assets for him. Do you really want to do that to, to back top out in a four or five seed rank? And the main thing about it is you give up possible assets where you may be able to get Bradley Beal when he does become available or if he becomes available. So not necessarily Bradley Beal, but whoever star becomes available, because as we've seen in the last couple of years, things change quickly in this league. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, here, wait, Koo, I said you could say something. So, Koo, you can add something in here before I keep going now that you're back. No, you can, you can finish your thought. Okay, well, so one thing that it's been funny is there's been a lot of people who have said, well, if the Pistons make this trade, they're going to be a contender. And I'm not totally sure that I see that because, so the last, first off, the Thunder have not won a playoff series since Kevin Durant left. In the last two seasons, Russell Westbrook has had um, Paul George on his team. Paul George, Steven Adams, well, Paul George is probably at least as good as Blake Griffin. He's certainly a cleaner fit with Russell Westbrook. And then, like you said, Stephen Adams. I'd take Andre over Stephen Adams, but another really good player. Their depth was a little questionable, but it's not like he was playing on some team full of bums. And that's not fair, Joe. They topped out as like not that great. Now, being in the East would make it easier. But basically, I'm not sure what would make you look at this Pistons roster and think this roster is so much better than the roster he's had in OKC the last two years, That especially if you give up assets. Like, if you give up Luke Kennard, for instance, okay, like, now the Pistons' depth is at least as bad as the Thunders have had. So I'm just not sure what makes you look at the Pistons roster and think that this is going to be that much different from the results that they had in the OKC the last few years, which would be a better team than the Pistons have had, but I don't think that pushes you into contender status. And Koo, I see nobody, nobody is debating that they would be better. But my question is, do you want to tie up, lose all? They're, they're slowly coming to the end of this dark path where they may be starting to have a little flexibility, and I don't know if you want to get rid of all that flexibility for Russell Westbrook. Can you get back into the situation where – People saying you're capped out, or you can't do this, you can't do that, with a few assets. That's where that's that would be my hesitation on making this deal. Okay, cool. You go cool. ahead and get some of your Me. thoughts in. <laughs> okay, well, first off, I just want I just wanted to say what about your statement about the Thunder not winning a playoff series. I think that's completely unfair. I have two reasons. Like one, the first year, uh, so two years ago. That team just severely lacked shooting. They they actually they've lacked shooting for the past two years, and that's one of their biggest issues. They just lack any kind of spacing around Russell Westbrook, which is a major issue with why they haven't been able to do nothing. But then if you go back to this past year, they were actually when we talked about this when the Pistons, I forget what, what game it was, but when the Pistons just got destroyed by them, uh, we were talking about this, Joe, that the Thunder are one of the best teams, if not the best defensive team in the NBA at that point. And they looked like they were gonna be like especially with Golden State going down and uh, and other teams, uh, Houston was slipping at the time. It looked like the Thunder could have maybe made a run. And then I don't think it's fair to use this season against him because Paul George lost both his shoulders heading into the – and Paul George was playing at MVP level. Like, he was there. I believe – then he finished third in MVP voting. Uh, so Something like that. Yeah, so – and then he lost both of his shoulders. Like, literally both of his shoulders just went out in the playoffs. And then they, they went against a Portland Trailblazers team. So I'm just not so sure that if Paul George on the MVP level that he was at, they don't get the Trailblazers out of there. And then I'm not sure they don't get Denver out of there the next round either. So I don't think that's completely fair to use against Westbrook. I don't think it's just on Westbrook that they didn't make. I'm going to one something real quick, though. Go ahead. Okay. I think the Pistons were good enough to be a six seed last year. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Possibly. But, but if Smith got hurt, Blake Griffin got hurt. So that's a part of the narrative. So that's on, ultimately, it may be unfair, but that's the reality that they have not won a playoff series since KD left 
and ultimately Russ has to take some responsibility for that. That's and I'm gonna leave it and now you can continue. I'm sorry. Now, uh, now, this is why I'm saying that. I think that that's fair to look at for the team. But in the way Joe was using it just now, I feel – well, Joe, Joe, you can correct me if this was how you were trying to use it. But Joe was trying to use that as a reason to say – like to go at Russell Westbrook. And I just don't think that falls on – I don't think it falls on Westbrook they that they Russell haven't won a playoff series. You all agree that they had roster flaws. Yes, they did. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't believe that that should be some indictment on Westbrook the player. I think there's plenty of low-hanging fruit. To go at Russell Westbrook, I don't think that's one of them. I feel like that the team had obvious flaws, and I I think it's I think a lot of people would think that if Russell Westbrook doesn't lose his shoulders, they probably advance in the playoffs. That's that's first, Joe. You know, if you okay. have something to say, yeah, you can say something. But so here's the basic thing, though, Koo, and it's not meant as an indictment of Russ. I like Russ. I like I think he's a good player. I enjoy watching him, et cetera, et cetera. He's one of the great passers of the game today. There's no denying that, but. I just so that 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 roster had all these flaws, which is true. Do you think if they trade for Russell Westbrook, especially if they're giving up assets to do it? Now, Joe, that's what I was going to say is next. Is this Pistons so, team not going to have those flaws? Like those? Joe, the Thunder... Joe, I was going to atta- <laughs> I was going to attack that point next. Okay, go for it, Coop. Okay, so uh, Vince, as Joe started off this podcast, he said that I'm firmly. I'm firmly in the camp of going after Westbrook. Well, I was on the first day the rumor started. I've slowly started to chill back and cool down on it because I've thought more about it. At first, I, at first I'll, just, I'll just be honest about it. When it first came up, well, well when, it, when it first came up, it, Russell Westbrook, yes, Russell Westbrook's like a superstar. He's a, first of all, the first thing that came to my mind is that obviously Tom Gores has to be at least like he must just be foaming out the mouth wanting to do this because you he just. You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this. I think the Pistons name got tossed in there because Aaron used to be Russell Westbrook's agent, and Aaron's linked to every cat who comes along down the pike who uh, 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 who comes available. I.e., I was the first to report about the Derrick Rose interest. I think I was the first to report about the Pistons got that meeting against with Al Horford in 2016, and. So that's probably why that connection was made um, when we talked to the stuff that comes along. But anyway, I interject to you, but continue your thought, Q. I'm sorry. It's all right. But basically what I was going to say is, is I started off, when the rumors first started, I was in favor of it because you hit on it and Joe hit on it as well. The Pistons have a window with Blake that they're trying to maximize being competitive. But uh, Ed Stefanski has done a great job at while. While trying to be competitive now, he's still doing. A, he's done a good job at trying to be all right for the future and not just be screwed. He's done a good job at taking the roster Stan Van Gundy left him, and every all the losses of the second round picks and the salary cap. He's done a good job in flipping that over in both ways, being competitive and still building for the future, which is fair. But like you like you said just a couple minutes ago, Vince, you said that you thought maybe the Pistons could have been a sixth seed. Well, the when the, the Westbrook news first broke. I mean, I thought about, well, if the ceiling for the Pistons with Blake Griffin over the next two years is going to be six seed, I, I don't, is that really going to be a success? And in my opinion, that would be a no. So I immediately thought uh, going to get Westbrook would definitely ma- would maximize this uh, Blake Griffin window. But as I said, I've cooled down on it because of this reason. And this is a reason I believe Joe, Joe didn't bring up. He, and I'm going to uh, bring it up now. We can talk about it. Uh, there's been multiple reporters, uh, uh, not reporters, multiple, well, they might be reporters. I don't know what their technical name is, but Zach Lowe's one of them. And then 
I think it was Woj, and then there's been a couple other people who's also said this. Joe mentioned, well, what if you had to give up Luke Kennard? And that's where I fell back at. If we had to give up a bunch of assets, Joe's right. We're just we're going to end up just like the Thunder team with many flaws. Like, if you give up Luke Kennard, Langston, and and Reggie, you're getting rid of some of our best shooters. If you, Westbrook comes over here, we're just going to lack shooting just like we did beforehand. But what these, what these people are reporting and they're saying is many people are viewing Westbrook as a negative asset because of his contract. So everyone's not... Everyone that I've been listening to isn't so sure that the team getting Westbrook is going to be the one having to give up assets. Are we okay. sure that the Thunder are going to be the team that ha- that is going to be giving up the haul? How do we know that that just getting the salary off their books is going to be uh, is what wins them the trade? Because if you think about, it, they're talking about they were talking about trades with Miami, and uh, it was reported that they came out they wanted Winslow or they wanted Tyler Hero. And Harold just signed his contract, which means he can't be traded for another 30 days. And Miami, he already said no to Justice Winslow. So if they're if Miami, he'd say no to them, and that was the likely destination for him. How do we know that the Thunder are going? Well, they may be requesting the assets, but how do we know they're they're going to get the assets you're talking about, Joe, for Westbrook? Like if we can get him for a, a decent price, that doesn't involve giving up Luke Kennard, which I think is a possibility because it doesn't look like teams just jumping and and foaming out the mouth to get that contract with Westbrook when he already has enough flaws outside of the contract. How do we know that we're going to be giving up the assets you're talking about? And Coop, I, I'm a, you brought up a great point when I kind of reported to, to today. In an article I wrote, someone and with the league, you know, a team with a team not really, not really in the, the Westbrook uh, uh, sweepstakes, told me the, the Thunder may be in a position where they got to give up an asset to get rid of that contract. Yeah. Um, and in that situation... If they come to you and say they get just got six what six first round picks in the last several days, yeah, they got a couple of, a pick a pick to spare. So who knows? They say you know what we're gonna put they're gonna hook Russell Brook in a winning situation. They say look, Detroit has a good thing going there. Look, we get we'll put a straight salary match, and we'll throw in a first round pick. I think I'm you might can talk me into it at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying because I'm. I'm just not so sure, especially because, like I said, on the first day I was all for it, but then I went back and started looking at the salary cap and looked at the, the roster fit. And I looked at some of the other uh, with Miami's roster fit and their salary cap. I'm just, I'm not completely sold that the Thunder are going to get much of any like future assets back. Now yeah. they ha- they obviously are going to have to get something for Westbrook. I'm not saying we're just gonna, someone's going to steal him from the Thunder, but I'm just not maybe, so sure that this... Maybe it's a future first-round pick for the Pistons. If, if it's the thing is want to get an asset, okay? Yeah. Well, you might talk me into a salary dump and a future pick. Lottery protected. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it just I, I'm against throwing, doing the whole two first-round picks, Luke Kennard and Sekou Dumbuya. That would be stupid in my... In, in my yeah, opinion. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. Joe, you, you, you have something to say? Well, I mean, so, first off, I actually suspect that despite the fact that people seem to think that, you know, now, his value might be low, but I'm guessing that they're going to get at least something back for him just because whatever team ends up trading for him, first off, they don't need to trade him right away, I don't think. I mean, they, like, maybe Westbrook will make a big stink about it if they don't trade him right away, but... Other than that, you there's really I no reason has, for them to I, hurry. I think he has so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think he has so much respect for the Thunder organization in that city. I don't think he would do that. 
Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. Th- I don't. I think I could see him. I could see him even starting the season. You know, there have been situations where people have uh, they know they're going to be traded, but you know the something could get worked out or whatever. So I, I, I could even see I could see this going on a while. Uh, but just not to interrupt, but I don't I don't I don't think Russell Westbrook will make a stink, though I guess is my point. Yeah, so because of that and I agree with you, Vince, he just he doesn't seem like the sort of guy who would just, you know, Anthony Davis himself and just basically quit on the team. And it's not like they totally are screwed now. I mean they did get Danilo Gallinari back in that trade, who's obviously not Paul George, but like there's a good chance they could still be competitive this coming season. But so I think that just the fact that they don't need to rush this. So if they don't get a deal they don't like, there's no reason for them to just take the soonest thing they can. But even more so is that some team is going to basically talk themselves into the fact that Westbrook has won an MVP. He's that all NBA caliber player and he's worth giving something up for no matter what his contract is. And I just think that's going to be how it ends up being. It may not be a lot. It may be something like the equivalent of, you know, like the Heat may end up giving up uh, Tyler Harrow and one more first-round pick, which would be hypothetically a late first-round pick. And Tyler, Now, Tyler Harrow's looked good in Summer League, but, like, that's he was, what, the 15th, 16th overall pick? Like, that's not that 13. much to give up for a guy who's hypothetically an all-NBA player. And so... I think that that's probably where it would end up. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my worry. If they were to be a situation, though, where not only are you not giving up any real assets, it's just you're matching salaries and maybe even getting something back, then I'm closer to saying yes, but even then I'll be hesitant just because, like I said earlier, I just don't know that the fit with Blake is going to be clean enough for their talent to mesh well to actually make that much of an improvement to where it's a worthwhile trade to make. Um, and one I, thing, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Please. I was going to say, Joe, to your point, like how about a deal, like a comparable deal, a similar deal to what the Pistons used to get Blake Griffin, like, which was basically, let's be frank, the deal was basically Tobias Harris, a guy they really knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign, and sure enough, they could not have afforded Tobias Harris, and a first-round pick. Could something like that, which uh, a comp- comparable de- comparable deal, would that get you to Westbrook? Uh, Not what I there. I mean, the one thing is that the Pistons don't have a Tobias Harris because that is, you know, he was an attractive trade piece at the time. Uh, and the Clippers ended up turning him into even more assets when they traded him. So okay. I'm not sure. I mean, Andre Drummond might be that, but... If you trade Andre Drummond for Russell Westbrook, now that's even further diminishing your sort of talent opportunities for the upside. But although there's some people that have said that maybe they get Westbrook and Steven Adams back, but then you get convoluted, and I'm not going to bother getting that far into it. But um, I just don't know that the Pistons necessarily have a guy who would be that sort of valuable. But, I mean, look, Westbrook is the sort of talented and fun player that even if the Pistons did give up multiple assets or whatever, I wouldn't be upset by it. Um, I would be, you know, the basic, I guess here's the best way to put it, okay? The spirit of trading for Russell Westbrook is the thing I'd be behind. Where, you know what, we're willing to take a shot, bet on the upside, and try and really make something of the, you know, three years that we've got Blake Griffin for. Because Blake Griffin is probably the best player to wear a Pistons jersey since Grant Hill. 
So I'm all for going all in on some sort of a move that we think is going to maybe put a, put them to the point where they can really contend. I just don't really think Westbrook is the guy for that move. So if they made a trade, like you said, Vince, if it was basically, you know, match salaries and a first-round pick, I wouldn't be upset by it. Uh, I'd be happy to have Russell Westbrook. Once he was here, I'd be, I'd be all behind him. I'd be telling people, oh, he's such a great passer, and, you know, he really started to play harder on defense last season, and no, he'll he'll probably pick up his free. You know, I'd be all behind it if they did it, but I just I just don't think that that's the guy to pull the trigger on to try and do this. I guess is really where I'm at. I got I got something to say real quick. Okay, go for it, Coop. <laughs> all right, so you just brought it up. Vince brought it up earlier, and I was gonna hit on it, but I forgot. But I just remembered. Um, Vince mentioned Bradley Beal earlier. And maybe not specifically Bradley Beal, but his point was just another star that becomes available because we've seen it happen over the past like year and a half, two years. Stars just start wanting out, or situations don't start working. And they, and one of the things I've heard people say a lot lately over the past couple of weeks, and I used it in an article the other day, is that you know Blake Griffin wasn't available until he was available. Paul George wasn't available until he was available. Like you don't know when these stars are going to become available. But and I understand that. But this is like a major, there's a major red flag that I want to throw up out there. And you guys don't have to agree, but I think this is like, I think this is pretty serious. Like, for example, Vince brought up Bradley Beal. Are we sure that, I think the whole, well, let me just get into it. Westbrook is available to the Pistons because of his contract. That's why the Pistons are even in a race kind of like this. Because if his contract was on Reggie Jackson's contract, more of the league would be interested in him. But his contract is so god-awful, and he has flaws in his game to where teams are just staying away. Like, there was a report yesterday that Miami doesn't even know if there's any other team interested in him. Like, that's not happening if Russell Westbrook's on a team-friendly contract. That's just not going to happen. No, so, if he had any Nets' contract, he'd been traded tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Precisely my point. So that's the reason why the Pistons are able to be in the hunt for a player like Westbrook of his talent because his contract allows it. And it was the same way with Blake. Blake had his flaws. He had injury concerns, and at the time, his contract was considered, and some people even consider it today, be too big. So that's that, those are the kind of players that allowed Detroit to be in the hunt for them. The, the Pistons do not have assets, in my opinion, to get someone like Bradley Beal or someone younger of like 25, 26 years old at, the, at that kind of skill level. They're just going to get outbid by other people because other people will be interested in them, and they'll have more to give up. So that I don't agree. With, I, I'm not sure I agree with that at all. That the Pistons can just be patient and just wait for another star to come up because we'll just get outbid by the next star that comes up because they'll be more attractive and there'll be more teams going after them. There's not a lot of teams. There is a level of truth to what you're saying, though. But that being said, I've been out here where uh, where I've talked to scouts this week who tell me how they're impressed with V, how they're impressed with Kyrie Thomas. Now those guys aren't going to help you now. But let's talk about like a few months down the road if they're part of the Pistons rotation. Okay, so you're talking about in the abstract right now. Um, Luke Kennard can help his trade value if he's plays well this year. So you're, and you'll still have first round future first round picks. So yes, in the abstract that you're talking about right now, you are correct. But Bradley Bill's probably not going to be traded tomorrow. So maybe by the time December or January rolls around, Washington gets off Bradley Bill, maybe you put yourself in that position. And to your point. If, say, uh, 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 Russell Westbrook doesn't cost that much, you have him, and, and maybe you can find a way to make a deal work. I don't know that. I don't know how the salaries would work. 
But I'm saying if you gut your assets now that you possibly have, you won't be in a running for you know you won't be in. Don't make it so you know you can't get Bradley Bill, I guess, in the future. Get what I'm saying, Coop? Yeah, I feel you. I was, uh, this, this would be my response to it. Uh, I would like, okay, if the Pistons have to give up a bunch of assets for Westbrook, I don't want him. Let me just make that clear. If the Pistons have to go out there and just gut their roster or give up Luke Kennard and more or anything like that, I don't want him. I want okay, the cool. price would have to be fair for the Pistons. Cool. But, cool. but before you go on then, what is the most you personally would be willing to give up for Russell Westbrook? Like what is okay, the well, point? In order for the salaries to match, I'm assuming that it well first it would have to include Reggie because he would help you get the salary yeah, match. Tony Snell and Langston Gallery would do it on the trade machine. Yeah. Okay, so the most that you would if I was the GM of the Pistons, the most you're getting me to give up for Westbrook is I'd get the salary to match with those three players. Langston, I'm not sure I'm not a fan of Langston at all. Uh and if you're getting Westbrook, you don't need Reggie. Uh, Tony Snow, you know, he's helping on the, he's going to help on our wing rotation, but I'd give him up. And then the most you'd get out of me is, is either a young player or a pick or a future first after that. So, like, would you give up Seku for that? If he's the young player? P- possibly. I'm not possibly. sure. Well, the uh, thing about Se- the reason why I'm, I'm hesitant on Seku, because if I'm giving up Tony Snow, then I'm also giving up uh, Seku, then I just have no small fours, and I don't know if I want to do that again. Well, we know that Sam Presti, we know that Sam Presti has a thing for long guys who can defend and aren't necessarily good shooters. So I'm sure that they're trying to get Seku for him. Well, Joe, you asked me what what I would go for the furthest, and I said that I'd give those three players up. I'd give up a young player or a first round pick. Okay, so then like you could, you could probably I'll get me first round pick. What? I would keep it to a first round pick. I wouldn't give up anybody on the roster. That's fair. I, I'm I'm probably in that boat, but I'll just be honest. You could probably convince me of giving up one uh, a young player instead of a pick if it was me. Okay. Okay. So hey, conti- oh, go ahead, Vince. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say the dumb. Go ahead, though. No, but my point my point was is uh, damn, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Joe, you remember what I was saying? Uh, you were you were about to say something about you said that um, if it's gonna be lots of assets, you're not gonna do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's gonna be a lot of assets, I don't want the Pistons to go after him. I, I just I, let me just get that out the way. So if it's a fair deal, like I just said, then I'll do that. But I guess it depends on how you look at the how you perceive the Pistons' so-called assets. I'm just not sure that Kyrie Thomas. And V is going to be what nets you Bradley Beal in the future. So no, I'm not saying that now, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making any predictions right now. See, that's why I hate talking to y'all. Y'all like y'all like you're going to make it sound like I'm saying Savi and Kyrie Thomas are ready to take over the NBA. No, I'm saying there are players that NBA scouts I've talked to say they like this week. That's what I'm saying. So get them in the rotation. Get them to where they're playing well in the Pistons rotation, and maybe you could. Maybe they're or who knows? Maybe we want to keep them because they're playing so well. But I don't want to get in a situation where I'm throwing all my stuff out the window at Russell Westbrook, and I'm just using them as an example. So don't no. don't don't pick and sound like I'm extolling the virtues of V and Kyrie Thomas. Come on, cool. No, no, no. Okay, let me let me clear up what I was saying. Okay, let me just let me clear up what I meant. You're betting in that scenario you're talking about. Let's just say that the Pistons say, "Okay, screw Westbrook. We're not going to give it up. We're not going to give up even what I said. We don't want to give it to one young player. We'll just wait till someone more appealing to us." Because they, cause also they may just. 
I just I, I said I'm okay with one young player. I just don't want to give up a thousand of them. No, yeah, I feel you. But let's just say, let's say the Pistons just say screw the one young one young player because because some people just say the Pistons just don't aren't very appealed. And you said that you said earlier that it was just like eh, Westbrook, okay. Like, like maybe the Pistons just don't like Westbrook that much to even want to do that kind of deal. Well, so, I'm gonna tell you what, and the people I talked to, that's the impression I got in the over the two days after that first initially broke, and I talked to as I, it said multiple, okay, and so I'm gonna say, uh, people with the Pistons organization, there were at least eight people when I consider multiple. Okay, okay, it's missed them out of hand, but they did say there wasn't like a say. Luke, uh, lukewarm with the response <laughs> to the yeah. idea of dating Russell Westbrook. No, I feel, no, yeah, I feel you, and that they might be, they, and like Joe said, maybe the fitness doesn't work. I mean, all that it may, it does just the Pistons may just not want Westbrook, which is fair. So let's just say they say screw Westbrook and they move on. They they wait for the next star. In that scenario, if not the 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 uh, the scouts can like speed, and we, I, I mean, let's not say I don't think. That those the young players that the Pistons now have can't get can't be in the rotation can't be good players for us. I I'm not saying that, but in that scenario, you're you're putting your bets that those prospects end up actually becoming assets, and you have to hope that they actually be, end up playing well. So my thing is, my most of my mo- the people I'm truly betting my money on are Sekou and Luke Kennard. Yes, exactly. I use those guys as examples. No, yeah, but this. I'm just saying they're not really assets you can go out and get Bradley Bill now. But what I'm saying is maybe in the future those are assets we're not considering. That's the point I'm making, trying to make. Yes. Okay, that's that, okay. But I'm, I don't know if the Pistons. I don't know if I would even want. I don't know if we should want to give it a blue or stay cool. They would make the decision based on that. They shouldn't make the decision based on that. They hope they develop into something like that. But that's all I'm saying is. But again, if you gut your assets for Russell Westbrook, and I see we're all. We've all agreed on that point that we don't think Russell Westbrook's worth throwing five assets at. But I was just using them as an example of when you said Bradley Beal might come available. But when by the time Withers get off of Bradley Beal, maybe you have more assets than what we're talking about now. And I'm saying the Pistons should not plan on that, but I'm just saying that's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah, okay, fair, fair enough. But my end, my ending thought is I don't want if I was the Pistons and if their goal is to maximize the window with Blake Griffin, I don't, I, I would, I'm not sure that, the, I think Westbrook's gonna be cheap. I don't, I don't agree with Joe. I don't think there's gonna be a team that ends up throwing the hall at him or a bunch of assets at him. I think he's gonna end up being cheap. I don't think anyone's gonna throw a bunch at him because of that contract. I think there's too many flaws with him along with that contract. I don't think he's gonna be expensive at all so if he is i agree with the q and here's the one thing that someone always told me about uh and basically we're talking about staying you know it's a good contract the moment the guy signs it because one thing happened can you trade that's the issue and that's why i don't think we're going to get a uh a lot of assets because the team that gets him they're not going to be able to trade it the next day so you get what i'm saying so yeah i feel you exactly that's the number one, and that's why uh, I think he may come typically. And in that case, I think the Pistons might get. Actually, my reading of the room, the Pistons will get involved in it. Yes, exactly. So that's exactly why I'm at. If and my my whole point is is that I don't believe that a player of Westbrook's caliber is going to become that cheap because I I believe that he's going to be cheap, and I don't believe there's going to be another player of Westbrook's caliber that's going to come to the Pistons that cheap. So if the Pistons can give that cheap. The fit may not. The fit may be questionable, 
but I'm taking that bet on the talent because you're not going to get someone of that caliber for that cheap. You feel me? That's like that's my overall point. If you can get him for that cheap, you bet on him. Prior match and one I said, I would I would not kill it. I'm gonna be I'm gonna support it, but I I wouldn't kill it. <laughs> well, that's why I'm at. So Joe, if you have yes, yeah, but that's why I'm at. I, if we can get him for cheap, I'm de- I, I'm in I'm in that boat Joe was talking about. I'm firmly in the boat. Go after him because I don't believe we could we're gonna get someone that good. For that cheap, any at any time, and I share your concerns, Joe. I don't know if it's a good fit either, but hey, talent's talent, right? Yeah, and that's that's what I'll say. Well, um, first thing, Vince, we are at about the time you said that you were maybe thinking about leaving, so I do want to give you this opportunity to peace out if you want to. You know what? I'm good. Let's keep it going. Okay, so it, whenever you feel like leaving, you can just you don't even need to say anything. You just be like, I'm out, and you can peace out. We I mean, won't, you won't it's hurt my birthday. Lives. I could be sitting out. I could be at a bar right now having a nice Mai Tai or, or frozen margarita right now, but I'm sitting here talking pisses with you guys. There's nowhere, no place I'd rather be. All right, sweet. Um, so Glowing endorsement for the podcast. Yeah. So, okay. So, Koo, here's the main response that I would have to that. Is that, once again, I agree with you in spirit with the basic idea of that, look, the Pistons, <laughs> as of now, they just don't have the assets to go at. So, like, if Bradley Beal becomes available, like, people are thinking that's going to happen. There's no way. Unless the Wizards are just that stupid, the Pistons will get outbid, right? So... They're not going to get the perfect guy, essentially. And what if you gave? What if the Pistons offered them every draft pick, every other year, for like, like five first round picks and Luke Kennard? Well, I don't know if I'd even want Bradley Beal at uh, that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, but that would probably blow away whatever other offers out there, right? <laughs> honestly, Fair enough. I'm not even like. From what I understand, people around the league think so highly of Bradley Beal that if that's oh, what someone actually, it would be a, it would be a, it would be a, it would be a massive bidding war. Oh, correct. Yeah. I've heard this from multiple teams. Yes, like he's just the sort of guy where he's still fairly young. He's actually beaten a lot of the injury concerns that were there early in his career because he's been fairly healthy the past few years, and he's not that expensive. He's really, really good, and he's the sort of player who would fit onto pretty much any roster. So he's just the sort of guy that they would get outbid. So no, Bradley Beal wouldn't happen. But I just, I just look at Westbrook and I just think, if you can make that upside play for someone who maybe they're not worth their contract, right? I and mean, once again, Blake Griffin is the perfect example, right? Maybe not worth his contract. He might get injured all the time. I mean, he got injured at the end of this season. He didn't quite make it through it. That's a risk you take. But I just don't think that the upside is there with Westbrook. I would say this. Here's, like, the best example I would say is that if we go into a universe where the Pistons don't make that trade and they have Tobias Harris still, okay? Well, there would be all sorts of things I would screw this up, but just hypothetically, okay? If the Pistons <laughs> had Tobias Harris instead of Blake Griffin, then I'd say go get Russell Westbrook because the fit would be incredibly clean. I mean, Tobias Harris would be bordering on the ideal sort of second banana, to Russell Westbrook. He can be the sort of hyper-efficient, lower-volume scorer who's a really good off-ball shooter. He's not a guy who dominates the ball a lot, even when he scores a lot. Um, You know, he'd be such a clean fit to be like, yeah, go get Russell Westbrook. Um, You're betting on that talent, but there's a good chance that this talent really gels. I just don't think that that would be the case with Blake. And here's one other thing that I'd be curious about, and Vince, you could maybe give some more insight on this, is that Westbrook and Blake are both guys who 
have not always gelled the best with other guys, at least on the floor. Um, do you think that there would be an issue, like, as to who's sort of the alpha dog and that sort of thing? Like, do you think that there'd be a chance that that could maybe even cause some chemistry and even locker room issues? Um, I could see that. And, you know, and just to reveal some of the conversations that I had with people uh, about this, there was some aspects of concerns among the people I talked to about how he would fit in the locker room. You know, I'm going to read a, a text I got from you. Let me go find it right quick, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to read it all, give it all away, but I'll give up part of it. Let me look at this text I got from someone. Uh, let me look, 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 look. Hard to see him take a complimentary role to other stars, so you presumably have to be comfortable with him as a one-man wrecking crew. By all accounts, he's a great teammate with a ton of heart, but his game is suited toward being a solo star no matter how great a teammate he is. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... That was someone expressing... Cons- one of the, that's one of the, he's one of the lukewarm people, I guess, in the Pistons organization. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the idea is that it just... I just can't see... And look, like you said, Westbrook is a dude who... He puts in the kind of work and such. Up oh, there went Koo. Hopefully he gets right back in. But Westbrook is a sort of guy who... He just puts in the kind of work. And he clearly... He stands up for his teammates consistently. Um, by and large, guys who play with Russell... They say nice things about him as a dude. I mean, even... Now, he's not always the friendliest with media. But f- media who, like, really get to talk to him... Mostly say really nice things about him as a dude. But... I just, I think on the court, it would just be a really poor fit. And once again, I mean, there was awkward, Blake had an awkward fit on the floor and sometimes off the floor with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is a much easier, now, Chris Paul's not necessarily an easy guy to play with, but on the floor, he's I a guy who's such a good passer and such that it'd be easier. I think that was his personality, that was a personality clash, though. Yeah, I do, I do agree with that. But, oh, I got to say Ku this link again a sec. But, um, so, I mean, I don't know. I just, I would just be worried about that. Because I think one thing that Blake has really liked about being in Detroit so far is that he has gotten to be unquestionably the dude. And this is something that you talked about with us before, is that there was a pretty clear hierarchy for who was in what role, right? Blake is clearly the head dude. Andre's pretty clearly the second dude. I think you said once that Reggie Jackson was describing it. He was like, you know, Blake is sort of dad, Andre's mom, and then I'm just kind of like the older brother. Like, I got a little more responsibility than everyone else, but they're, they're the dudes, right? That's, and, what Reggie Jackson told him. That's exactly how Reggie Jackson broke it down for me last year when we were just horse-shitting around one day. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's a good basis for you know, something that you can maybe build on, right? Um, and for what it's worth, Dwayne Casey is the sort of coach that, you know, sort of building a good locker room culture is pretty much his, like, that is his absolute specialty as a coach, is that guys just love him, he gets guys to buy in, etc., etc., etc. But, you know, I just, I, I think that there's a good chance that Westbrook would kind of undo a lot of the good that the Pistons have done in that area, just because of the fact that he's 
on the court, at the very least, he's just a really, really difficult guy to make work with other stars. Like, he'd be a great fit with Andre Drummond because Andre Drummond would be a really good fit on the court with, you know, pretty much anybody who's a good ball handler. And Westbrook is a phenomenal pick-and-roll ball handler, one of the elite lob throwers in the game today. Like, that'd be a great fit together. As with Blake, I just, I don't know, man. Well, I, I do think an, an elite point guard would go a long way toward helping Blake. And as you mentioned, Andre, I think Blake's smart enough to understand that. Um, and I think Blake's smart enough to understand that even though while he's effective with the ball in his hands, he'd probably be more effective with, like, another primary ball handler, and he'd become more of a secondary ball handler. So, uh, but but is Russ that primary ball handler, I guess, ultimately is the question. Well, here would be something that I'd ask you then while we're waiting for Koo to come back in. His computer is apparently having some trouble clicking on the link again. But, um, so Blake is the sort of guy who he is, last season he proved that he's a good enough shooter that he can work as an off-ball guy. But he wasn't always, he didn't always do enough of the little things, I guess, that you kind of need to be able to do in order to really be effective off the ball. He wasn't always eager to set screens off the ball. He didn't move a lot off the ball. There were a lot of times he wouldn't even bother to stand on the three-point line ready to get a pass. He would just start to leak back on defense right away. And a lot of that is almost certainly just that he's he was the guy. He was carrying a really heavy offensive load, and I get that. Do you think that if they traded for Westbrook or another guy like Westbrook, that Blake would sort of, obviously he would be smart enough to do it, but would he be willing to sort of be like, okay, now that I'm not the guy who has the ball in my hands constantly, would he be willing to sort of make that adjustment to be able to be more like, okay, now I'm going to actually roll to the hoop occasionally. I'm going to be willing to move more without the ball and that sort of thing to sort of make himself the best version of himself that he can be off the ball. I don't know if what you're saying is going to be totally accurate. Uh, one of the things I would say is that, and you kind of spoke to it, uh, because he had had a heavy load. Look, sometimes you know maybe when the ball wasn't away from him, he looked at it as an opportunity to rest. <laughs> uh, so, in a situation where there was a guy who could an, an equally or better ball handler. I think Blake is a smart enough player to understand that that will make the team better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think I think Blake wants to win enough that he definitely would be certainly open to the ideas. Like, I don't think that Blake is the sort of guy where, at least he certainly never struck at me as this, um, and you probably know this better than me, I suppose, but he's never struck me as the sort of guy who he's like, no, this is my team, I want, I need to get my numbers, I need to get my minutes. Like, I mean, even last season, later in the season, later in the season when they shifted the offense more and let Reggie do some more ball handling and stuff, and Blake went down to, like, only 20 points per game or something like that, he took a lot less shots, etc. He seems pretty okay with that. Um, and I, I think yeah, he was cool ahead. with that, because he was playing well during that stretch as well, remember? Yeah. Um... So I would compare compared to like what James Harden does, like the stuff they talk they showed, like when when Chris run a pick and roll with uh, 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 Chris Paul, and James Harden was standing out by half court with his hands folded on his with his with his with his, with his hands on his hips almost. I never got that from Blake last year, <laughs> which I was I can understand why Chris Paul be pissed off by that. Um, like what are you trying to say, man? Um, so. Uh, 
I don't never I don't think Blake is that. Uh, is it something you can be concerned about? Does he want to be the guy? Yeah, but I do think uh, when the offense was diversified more toward the end of the year, I thought he was okay with it because, again, as you put it, they were winning it during that stretch. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think that he's definitely the sort of guy that he'll be open to it, but I just, there's a certain degree, I guess, here's probably the best way to put it. There's a degree to which guys sort of, you know, you get certain habits, right? And I'd be curious about whether or not Blake would be, because we're pretty confident that Russ is a sort of, and that's part of what makes Russell Westbrook great, is that sort of stubbornness. But Russell is not going to do a ton to take a sort of secondary role per se, right? I mean, he'll pass the ball more. He certainly passed more the last couple of seasons with Paul George around. But is Blake able to sort of unlearn a lot of the habits that you get when you are the dude with the ball in your hands all the time? And, you know, sort of get into a mode of where it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm pissed because I don't have the ball in my hands. It's like, oh, I don't have the ball in my hands. I need to remember that I can't just, you know, not set good screens when I'm off the ball. I can't just never roll to the hoop, right? So that sort of thing, which would, you know, that that's a big thing that I'd be curious about. Well... It's hard to know the answer to that stuff, I guess, until it happens. Uh, I, I do think Blake's a pretty intelligent basketball player, and I do think he's willing to do what will make a, help a team win. And I do think last year with the Pistons, his role required him to handle the ball all the time. And I don't I don't necessarily think he wants that role. Or, oh, sorry, six that role might be a better word. Um, and I think he'd be more than happy if someone were to come in and take some of that load away from him. If nothing else, he saw what happened last year, how it wore him down. Um, and I would think he would want to – be an effective player for an entire uh let's let's be honest he's going to get load management stuff's going to come to him next year so that 70 games he plays next year he wants to be effective for all 70 games yeah and well that's certainly well i guess here's something that we could even i could even ask you is that so when you consider the fact that like how much obviously he got hurt at the very end of the season but was there a degree to which he was maybe feeling it a little more than they let on later in the season? Or was it just a case of they're diversifying the offense just to try and take some of the load off of him? And then, you know, he got hurt at the end of the season sort of independently of that. Because there's a lot of times that you hear after the fact, oh, no, you know, when a guy's numbers drop like his did. Um, and then after the fact, you're, oh, yeah, he was hurting the whole time. Or was it just kind of a matter of, yeah, he was wearing down a bit, but they just diversified the offense on their own? You know what? I do think Casey wanted to diversify the offense the whole time because he understood that they couldn't uh, just ride Blake all the time. This wasn't sustainable. Um, um, so I don't. I always thought it was a goal of Grant Casey to try to do able to do more things, and he kind of like glommed on to Blake Griffin because that was the easiest thing to do. Best player, let's design a whole lot of stuff around him that will keep us allow us to function while I try to put more stuff in and. And pretty much, pretty much, their offense got better as the season went on. As a matter of fact, last year, um, but I do think they did wear Blake Griffin down. But you got to remember, when was the last time Blake played a complete NBA season? Uh, a long time ago. I can bring it up exactly. for a sec. So, actually, the uh, from when you talk to training staff um, about it and Casey, when he wore down. They were not surprised to see it, I guess, because of the fact he had to get acclimated to playing 80 games again. So 
Um, and then of course he got hurt, and then um, then it pretty much the season was over then. Um, but also another thing happened: Reddick Jackson started uh, being completely healthy because remember he didn't he didn't get a chance to work out last off season. So basically, so camp was really his first time. He started picking up a basketball, so he had to get acclimated to playing the game, and getting used to the rhythms of the game and stuff. So, so basically. Blake started wearing down right around the time Reddy Jackson started coming up, and it just led to more of a natural diversification of the offense. Yeah. And, I don't know. That maybe happened organically because also one of the things that, and you know, this is one of the things that we've got going back and forth about, you know, you know, evidently uh, 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 Casey designed a lot of offense for uh, uh, Blake, but that being said, Casey insists. That Reggie has the free reign if he if he comes up and get in a quick quick and roll and do something attack right quick, cause Cadence is a perfect world. He ain't got to call a play. That's what that's what he's striving for, uh, because he thinks in the in a in the scheme of things it's hard to stop offenses where there aren't any plays when people are just playing, because if you're just up, if he's up signaling for plays, these scouts know what those plays are, so you're you're not as predictable when when teams just play. Uh, matter of fact, that's a knock on Stan Van Gundy because everything was so structured. Stan Van Gundy was strict, predictable. Now, to to the point, some of the criticism uh, when he would stand up, obviously it was about Blake, but he said there was enough freedom in the system for Reggie to go down a court and run something right quick. He would tell you Reggie wasn't performing well in that role uh, earlier in the year, and, and later in the year, Reggie started performing well with those duties. You get what I'm saying? That makes sense? Yeah, that makes really good. And it's understandable that it would t- have him take some time because – um, even though he does have the freedom to come up and run a pick and roll, clearly with Blake around, he's taking on a very different role from the role that he had been in the last few seasons. And, you know, obviously, like you said, going from Stan Van Gundy, who calls plays pretty much every single time down the court, to Dwayne Casey, I mean, the way that they approach offense could almost not be more different. So it's understandable that it would have him take some time to adjust, especially when you consider, like you said, he barely even had a basketball in his hands all summer. So yeah, it's certainly understandable. It's probably took a Reggie. And first, let me be frank about it. Reggie had didn't like the changes, okay? He was frustrated with the changes, stuff like that. He was like, wait a minute. I, I, we, I, just, I just can't run pick and roll, dribble the ball into the ground. No, we, want, we don't want that anymore. And so... Uh, he he balked at it some. You know, I don't know if he ever like ultimately like acted out or was a detriment or a locker room cancer or a problem in that regard. But he was confused and was wondered about his role, uh, questioned his role. I guess he openly questioned it. Uh, but then he started to figure out and started to figure out. Okay, this is where I can get find my spots at. I can I can attack here. I can do this. Triple handoff with Blake Griffin is an opportunity for me to do something. You know, so he started slowly starting to figure out where his opportunities were to become, and he started playing better when once he started to realize where those opportunities were at. Well, here's one thing that I would like to ask you then, sort of connected while we're talking about Reggie Jackson, and this would have some impact on the potential value of a Russell Westbrook trade. Is And this is something that you actually you've talked to me about before, is do you think that with having a full offseason to sort of really get into shape, do you think that we could expect um, maybe not like a full comeback season necessarily, like with lots of fanfare, but 
Do you think that it would be fair to expect a pretty significant bump in just overall play quality from Reggie Jackson's coming season if he does stay on the Pistons? If he played like he did in the second, if can you expect him to play like he did in the second half last year? I think that's a reasonable expectation. I do. And if he did that over the whole season, that would probably be a significant jump. Okay, because, you know, and I kind of thought this last season, particularly once we got into the later part of the season, um, because like you said, he just he started to get more comfortable. He clearly was getting more confidence in his knees and such. Uh, he started going for big dunks more often. I think last season he had more dunks than he had yeah. since he had gotten to the Pistons. So, you know, he's... I was a little bit worried that they were going to just trade him for nothing in a salary dump, and then he was going to end up actually having a really good season in his last year, you know, just because it's like, well, now he's all the way healthy again. It just There'd be a certain irony to that, that the Pistons spend two seasons being like, oh, man, I wish Reggie Jacks were healthy. How different would that be? And then they trade him before he finally gets healthy again. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just, that were, I just kind of thought there would be some irony to that, which, you know, I mean, that happens sometimes, but... Um, I do think that the potential for him to come back and have a really good season, sort of like he had towards the end of last season, that admittedly is, now obviously even then, he's not a player of Russell Westbrook's caliber, but I think that um, his fit is cleaner with Blake because first off, he's not going to dominate the ball like Russell would, and, and even though Reggie's not a great shooter, he's at least a fairly competent shooter, and another big thing is that by the end of the season, I think this had a lot to do with his better play, is early in the season, him and Blake did not have a lot of chemistry in their two-man game, and Blake really likes to do that two-man game with guys, right? Him and Reg Reggie Bullock were awesome at it. Uh, he pretty much caught right on with Wayne Ellington with it. Uh, but by the end of the season, they sort of started to get that going. And if they can build on that further, I think that Reggie could end up actually having a really nice season to the point that, you know you may actually be interested in just seeing as a team, what if we just keep Reggie Jackson for the season and he actually has a really good season and they really start to gel. And so that would make me a little bit nervous about dumping him for another point guard. And I think that's a valid concern. Um, but, you know, it goes back to the uh, what we were saying earlier. Russell Westbrook's a better player. And if it was just a straight, if it was just a straight swap, you'd probably do it in a, with no when a straight swap with no not worrying about contracts, you do it in a heartbeat. So, uh, but that but that being said, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if Reggie Jackson played well this year. Uh, I think Reggie Jackson can be a good basketball player at times. You know, uh, I think people have forgotten that um, after those two years to where he was uh, dealing with the knee and then also dealing with the ankle. Okay. Um, Koo's still trying to get back in because there's one conversation that's non-basketball that I think you and Koo should have if he gets back in. But while we're waiting for him, um, what, what's, what's the issue? What's happening there? His com he 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 uses a very very poor laptop to do this sort of thing, um, and it's just it just apparently is kind of taking a crap on him, and it's <laughs> it's 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 really struggling. Um, he's quite upset about it because he really likes talking to you. He's telling me I'm missing the fun podcast. So hopefully he gets back in. But um, I guess at least one more thing that we could touch on is obviously you're in Las Vegas for the summer league right now. And is there anyone in particular, like what is one thing that you really are taking away? And look, it's summer league. You can't take too much away. What's one thing that you think has really stood out about 
guys that are playing on the summer league team that you think is going to be worth carrying into potentially into the season? A couple things. Um, Bruce Brown, you know, a guy who got into the playing rotation last year is supposed to come in here and dominate, and he's pretty much done that. Um, he's physically superior to most of these guys here. You know, he's he's a man. He was a man last year when it comes to strength and size and quickness. But the one thing that I wanted to see if he could shoot the three ball better, and he shot it poorly. And I've talked to him a little bit about he's still in the process of changing his uh, motion. And obviously, evidently, if you're still if the process is still changing your motion, you shouldn't have thinking more about your motion than you are actually whether it's going in or not. Uh, so I'm going to touch upon that more. That's one of the things I've been looking at. He's two for ten through four games. Something else I'm going to write. The Pistons are sitting here with that backup center position, vet minimum spot. Uh, what are their options there? And one option could be to keep an open roster spot. Some teams like keeping an extra open, open roster spot going into the season, you know, for flexibility sakes. Uh, obviously, there are veteran centers out there. You know, Joachim Noah hasn't signed anywhere. Um, but... Maybe they go the what they did a couple of years ago with Eric Moreland and and uh, sign some young prospect, you know, with a bunch of guaranteed dates. And maybe that's Matt Costello, who's played well here for the Pistons this year. And put, I asked, talked to him today about it, and he said, "Yep, one of the reasons why he picked the Pistons where he figured there may have been a, a slot, a spot here for him, and he's hoping to latch on." So Matt Costello from from a Michigan State center was playing well for the for the Pistons this in these four games. I think. Uh, I'm going to do something really dumb. I'm going to get in the plus-minus summer league, but I do think he has the best plus-minus on the Pistons currently. So Yeah, I saw, um, I've seen yeah. that. He does have the – over the four games, he does have the best plus-minus. So uh, so that has probably been the number one takeaway. And the rest of the stuff is not stuff that doesn't surprise you. So he and Kyrie Thomas can shoot the ball. Okay, we knew that. Uh, 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 Lewis King and Savitas – are frail prospects who need a lot of work. Done. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, that's the kind of I've been looking for, and that's kind of like the number one takeaways for me uh, for summer league this week. So two things sort of to piggyback onto that. So first off, with the potential to sign Matt Costello or anyone else, do you think that if they do that, um, because so when we had James on last week, uh, James Edwards, he was pretty confident that it sounded like they were going to sign another center and they weren't going to just go into the season with the roster spot open. But if they well, do you, that... Can I, I haven't reported this yet, so I'm breaking news here. Several people have told me they're considering open, holding that roster spot opening in the okay. meantime. And that, again, that was just last week, so these things change, and who knows. That probably was before JaVale McGee picked the Lakers, was it? Yeah. Yeah, so if JaVale McGee had come on down, they would have brought him aboard, you know. Um, so now that the top, whatever afraid centers, and I know JaVale McGee was one, Jarrett Dudley was a big, even though I think he was more of a Markeith Morris. Um, um, that, that, those are the two spots they were considered because they're both more fours. Um, so, they, so now in the aftermath, they are considering just using Thon and Markeith Morris as their backup fives now and just keep an open roster spot. But I, they'll bring another center to camp, and, and, and maybe Matt Costello will be a guy with a few guaranteed dates, kind of like maybe with the Eric Morland situation, and just roll that way. Because think about it, with those guaranteed dates, there's a couple things that can happen. You know, well, shit, the main thing that can happen is this. Let's say Blake is hurt right off the bat, and he's out for the year, and 
the team's going to be awful. They start just selling off parts or whatever. You know, if it's a guy with a non-guaranteed date, maybe you cut him on January 10th and maybe because I think if they used the full uh, 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 vet minimum, they'd be over the luxury tax, right? That's I don't have that in front of me. That's correct, right? You uh, There was a... We, I went through this the other day. I'm trying to remember exactly. So, guys who are... I think that they could sign... Because how long you've been in the league, how much experience you have, impacts how much your vet minimum is. And I'm pretty sure they could sign either a rookie or a guy who has one year of experience, which Matt Costello would count as, and they'd still have... If they signed a rookie, they'd still have, like, a couple hundred thousand to spare between the tax... If they sign a guy with one year of experience, which once again that'd be Costello, um, I think they'd be something like fifty thousand below the tax. So I think, but then there's some stuff about how it's set up so that even if you say you know it only counts so much against the caps. Like um, last year, both Jose and Zaza, their vet minimum actually paid them like two point five, but it only counts for one point five against the salary cap, so I don't know exactly how that works out, but I'm pretty sure they could sign someone to a vet minimum who's either a rookie, so essentially an undrafted free agent who's a rookie, or who has one year of experience, and they could just barely slide underneath the tax, I think. Okay. I have not looked this up specifically, uh, so because a story I'm working on right now, and I haven't gotten around to that information. So, that being said, give them a January 10th uh, 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 guarantee date and if you like the way things are going to keep them around and if things are going crappy you can save a few little bit of money so um and just go ahead and wave them on january 10th so um i think matt castello has put himself in the in the running to be one of those guys but i'm quite sure there's probably some other people out there that we don't even know about that they would be considering in that, in that role as well but again like i said they could two people have told me that they a possibility is to leave that roster spot open and that in that case Don and Markeith would be, and also Blake would be your backup fives. Okay, well that was actually going to be my main question to piggyback off of this. Is so, even if they were to sign another center before the season, they would be fairly comfortable just rolling with Thon and Markeith as their backup front court. That's what it sounds like here. Yeah, well think about it. A lot of times Andre's going to be going up against the bru- the big bruising type anyway, and so they would have a guy uh, with. Don and Marquise, someone capable of going out there and chasing the more of the uh, uh, elite three-point shooting wings. Five, I'm sorry, shooting one fives. Even though Andre's gotten better at that too, so you know Andre's still going to be out there crunch time. But you know, a lot of times and sometimes the backup five is a uh, 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 a stretch more of a stretch five type. And so that yeah, they would have no problem um, doing Don and Marquise like that because you'd have two options. And I was Marquise that established himself when healthy. As a very solid backup in this league, at least, and, you know, and and uh, maybe maybe you don't think Don might be up to the task, but remember they still have Marquise. If they didn't have Marquise, maybe they would find that position uh, more dire. But Marquise um, um, gives them a level of uh, how should I put a comfort level there? Okay, well, because I man, it's too bad Ku's not here because he's really against the idea of Thon having to be in the rotation again. But um, yeah, so. I'm saying it's- could be Markeith, so <laughs> yeah. so you gotta remember. Uh, 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 and you know they, they could play small. There's any number of uh, Sekutu Buya could be in the rotation as, as as the backup four. So they would have options. Um, so uh, um, 
His actual time might not be in rotation. Yeah. Jesus Christ, give the guy a chance to get better in offseason. Jeez, he's still a young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kuz just all the way out on the Thon Maker experience. He uh, he wants off that wild ride quite badly, I think. But um, <sighs> so one he thing. Oh, patient at all, man. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, one thing to sort of tack onto that then is the possibility of sort of trying to stagger Andre and Blake more and essentially use Blake as your backup center some. Um, they tried it some last season. There were some mixed results. But do you think that that's something that they want to try more this season, or is that going to be kind of a maybe in spot minutes but not something that they're really planning on? I think what it is is, is an indication that they didn't draft they get the center they wanted, okay? And they don't like the other free agent centers probably because I'm assuming if Javel McGee were, had a took that vet minimum salary, he'd be on the roster now, and they roll with it. He'd be their backup five. Uh, and so when they look around and they do, they think anybody's worth uh, a vet minimum spot. And if so, you know if there, if there's nobody around we like, let's just look at someone like a Matt Costello. And you know if we don't like Matt Costello in camp. Maybe an option is to go without a roster spot. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm saying it's under consideration. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, and then one other thing that a lot of people have sort of brought up, and now he had a better game today, but you you mentioned that Louis King, or is it Louis King? Um, is it Louis or Louis? Uh, I think it's Louis, but I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Um, so you mentioned that him and, and Savitas – are both clearly very raw, very skinny, need a lot of work. King, he had a better game today, but he has not always looked that great. And there's been some people who have suggested that they should give someone else the two-way deal. Do you think that there's any chance that they'd swap that, or do you think they're pretty committed to trying to let King develop some? I don't think they would punt on a guy to give a two-way deal after four summer league days. <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't, but I'm going to be frank with you. I haven't asked anyone. So, <laughs> but uh, that'd be really, uh, I, I would assume the coaching staff and I'm sorry, I'm sorry uh, the scouting department are well aware of King's uh, issues and flaws. So typically they're not surprised with how these guys look. So uh, uh, I would be surprised if they jumped off a guy they want to give a two-way to uh, after a two-four summer league game. I'd yeah. be surprised, but yeah. you know, I guess. But I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that because <laughs> I haven't asked. <laughs> okay, and I mean, I, I that was kind of where I was at. Like, okay, he hasn't looked that I, good, I but it's four summer league games. On Twitter because they they say a lot of things that don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, they do. They say a whole. There's a lot of people that say things that don't make sense on Twitter. That is absolutely true. You know what? And what the problem is though, and I, I should make. They're not supposed to know any of this stuff. My job is to make sense of this stuff. And, you know, and so I guess in some aspects of it, uh, there's supposed to be these harebrained, wild ideas on there because they their, their job is not to make sense of it. Their not, job is not based on making facts of all this stuff and trying to make sense of it. So uh, I just don't find a lot of, I don't have a lot of value for it, though, myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a... <laughs> That is one important thing because there have been some people that are like, ah, oh, he doesn't deserve a two-way contract. It probably doesn't actually matter that much. Uh. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I mean uh, in the scheme of things, if the season's hinging on Lewis King's two-way contract, you're probably fucked anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If Louis, if Lewis King's two-way contract ends up being the thing that you think sinks your season, your season is already sunk. <laughs> 
and the things, and that's why I don't spend a whole lot of brain cells on that stuff. I just don't. I'm going to tell you what, though. Somebody who looked good today was Jordan Bone, the guy who does have a two-way contract. Yeah, he, he did. And he didn't look great in the first game, which is understandable because he only you know just showed up officially to the team, so uh, he hadn't been playing a bunch with them. But, yeah, he looked much better today. All right, and Kuz leading back, back in. So if he does get back in, we can maybe – shift into a non-basketball thing that I know that you'd be able to talk to you about. But I've rolled with you guys for over an hour, and I've I, I hung around because you said there's some topic that me and Koo got to get into, right? All right, so we'll see if Koo loads in successfully. If he doesn't, he's got to give his microphone access. If he doesn't, you can peace out of here, Vince, if you want. Um, come on, come on, Koo! We believe in you, Koo. He, he's, it's been a struggle this whole time. Oh, Koo! Let's go, Koo! <laughs> oh, okay, Koo, Help. say something. Ready to record? Oh. You there, Koo? <laughs> oh, we heard something, Koo. Hello. Okay, Koo's out here. All right. <laughs> so, Koo, um, out So, we, we sort, we're sort of getting to the end of the basketball talk rope, but I've got something that I think you could talk to with Vince Moore. Um, So, Vince, now you're not just a fan of the movies. You're also a big fan of comic books. Koo is a huge fan of all of the Marvel movies. So, I was just curious because obviously Endgame came out this past year, which sort of wrapped up the whatever it is, Phase 1 or whatever they call it. Um, I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on the way that Marvel wrapped up those those movie, the Phase One, and sort of what are your thoughts going forward? And Koo, you can talk about this. Vince, too. do not, Vince, do not spoil Spider Man if you've already seen it. Oh, dear. I saw it. I saw it. Matter of fact, I saw it the the earthquake. Do not spoil it. I have not seen it yet. You don't want to know that Mysterio does. <laughs> I know. I know Mysterio's in there. I've seen a couple of little clickbaity articles. No, I, I'm trying my hardest. You want me? You don't want me to tell you what Mysterio did? Nope. All I all I care. The only thing I, I've seen a couple of things, like a couple of rumors and a couple of YouTube videos that are kind of like. I know they're hinting at. I know it's not true, but they keep hinting at Tony Stark being alive. I know it didn't happen. I know it's just some clickbaiting on it. No, man, I don't know. <laughs> I come on, Vince, you're gonna get my blood pressure up, man. And you know what Mary Jane does? To, I'm gonna tell you what Mary Jane does to uh, Peter. Oh dear. How about we? How about we just talk about Phase One? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should talk about. We should get into a deep discussion of the plot of Spider-Man. Um, I forgot. That would be terribly awful. He went to Europe. That's right. What's the name of it? Spider-Man? What's the, what the, what's the hashtag? Is that Homecoming? That was first and right. Far from home. Far from home. That's it. I think Joe and I should talk about the plot of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, well, if you guys want to do that, I'll back out and invite me back when that's <laughs> over with. He goes through all this work to get back in here, and then he immediately wants to Joe, leave again. <laughs> Joe, I refuse to have that Spider-Man forum for me. You can't do it. You can't deal with spoilers. No, I won't. I won't go see it if it's spoiled. Really? Is that bad? Is that deep? There's no, what's the point of watching something if you already know what's about to happen? I can. I can. I, I spoilers don't bother me at all. Well. I mean, well, so you, you can 
because just because you know the end of the journey, you don't know how you got there. So that's why I'm okay with spoilers. The, if you if you told me at the beginning, like before Endgame, like I went if I hadn't seen Endgame at the midnight, at like the very first movie that popped out, which I did. Uh, if I hadn't done that, and someone told me, "Hey, Coo, Tony's gonna die at the end," I, I swear to God to everybody on this podcast, I would not have shown up to that movie. I wouldn't have watched it. You wanted to see how he died? No, because him dying would have been good enough or bad enough. Well, did you tear up when Tony Stark died? Come yes. On. Did you like boohoo? <laughs> no, I was I was there with like I was with I was there with a bunch of my boys, and we were. Uh, Y'all, yeah, it was tough, huh? Yeah, it was definitely it was, no. It, it was tough. It was a tough scene. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it, it, it was, Vince, you, got it was, you got misty eye. That no, definitely misty eye. Definitely had a couple tears go down my cheek. But I remember that night. Let me tell you something. Koo was not just a little bit misty eyed. I wasn't there with him, but I saw his Snapchats and his Twitter conversation in the group chat. Let me tell you yep. something. This man was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. He was more upset than he was when the Pistons traded away Stanley Johnson. <laughs> yes, it was awful. He could. Hey, cool, he was totally out of commission. Cool, I'm gonna tell you something. I got a little misty too. I mean, that was rough, man. That was a, no. It was no. It was more than rough. That, that was rough, man. It was like it was like it was like a dog died, man. Like my boy died, man. No, I will. I will be perfectly fine if a dog died on that scene, not Tony. <laughs> I'm like my dog is in D A W G, not D O G. Oh yeah, I feel you. Okay then, I, and even then, I don't know if I feel you actually. My dude died, man. It was like ah, oh. but anyway. So okay, I'm gonna stop screwing with you. So what do you guys want to talk about when it comes to comic books and the Marvel comic books? Comic well, comic I books? don't. I don't. I, I'll come out right now. I haven't read any of the comic books. I have no interest in any of the comic books because. That's another one of those little spoiler th- spoiler things. If they just base everything off the comic books and I read them, I already know what's going to happen. Hold up, have deviated from a lot of the. Uh, That's why I don't read them. Also, yeah. Ku just will not read. So we're clear. Ku doesn't read anything that's on paper, ever. That's not true. Yes, it is. We try to get you to read stuff, and you always say, "I don't read." I read. I don't. I'll read. read articles. I don't read. articles. Anything outside of that? No. I don't read. That's Koo's, That's what Koo says, and that's why he wouldn't do it. But I'm just because Vince, you're such a big. It's like okay, I'm an, I'm not a big comic book guy. I mean, I kind of watch the Marvel movies. I'm not a huge fan of them, so I'm just curious because Koo is so into them, and Koo thought that Koo loves those movies absolutely to a huge amount. So Best movies curious, all, uh, ever yeah. of all time. So I'm just curious, what did you think about the way that they finished that? You know. What now? I'm sorry. What's your question? Just sort of, what did you think of all of Phase One, the way it built up and the way they finished it? Because I know Koo just think, I mean, like you said, he thinks those are like the greatest movies ever. So I'm just curious for you, as someone who is not just a fan of the movies, you're also a fan of the comics. Is sort of what was your take on the way they wrapped up Phase One and such? I think Marvel has done a really good job of uh, coming up with a formula, uh, entertaining movies, uh, doing a really good job of interjecting humor. Um, they don't take themselves seriously. Hey, look, you know, come on, end of the day, this isn't War and Peace. This isn't, we're not trying for any Academy Awards here. This is a comic book film. And I think uh, Marvel's in on the joke with that stuff with us. Look, look, this is not serious stuff. But one thing I think Marvel does well in some aspects, though, 
they sometimes will bail them off of the serious stuff. Like I, I my favorite Marvel films are Captain America, um, Winter Soldier, which was amazing, a great political thriller to me. And also, uh, I loved uh, uh, Civil War because they touched upon uh, responsibility. Like, okay, these amazing human beings, they have all these powers. Who's responsible for when they blow shit up? Uh, or when people die while they're doing stuff, their stuff. So um, so the ones that actually had kind of a cooler, uh, 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 not maybe a cool message, but something, uh, issues you could kind of think about and apply them to real world issues are one that definitely uh, were the one of the more successful ones because uh, they're, they're really memorable for their plots. And it also, obviously, uh, when it comes to the Black Panther and the Black Empowerment message that it conveyed, obviously, probably my third favorite uh, Marvel film. Um, I, 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 and, you know, uh, I'm kind of rambling there. Uh, but, you know, but that's why I like the Marvel films. Like, are they the best movies or films ever made? No. There were some really unsuccessful ones uh, that I didn't think were very good. I, you know, uh, Captain Marvel was solid. Oh no, Vince, don't do this. It was solid, but I didn't think Carol Danvers' character Carol Danvers' character was developed enough in um in uh, Captain Marvel. I really don't. I don't. Nothing. There was nothing to really emotionally tie us to her and the character. I think. Whereas. You know the stakes were high with Captain America, Black Panther. Uh, um, I don't know, even in the Endgame when, uh, uh, like, I don't know if you consider Scarlet, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Black Widow was. She was always kind of like more on the periphery. I'm like not periphery, I guess. And obviously she was the main Avenger, but she wasn't the big three of Thor, Captain America, Iron Man. But man, her 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 death was really profound in Endgame. So even so, she connected to us as a character and her her backstory of. Being a, 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 a an orphan who was raised in, a, in a, to be a terrorist by the Russian government, um, it, it, there's something about her story that resonated with me. And you know what? And I actually love Captain Marvel in the comic book, but I did not like her, her character that much in the movies. So we were trying to compare um, the two, the movie to the comic book character. So anyway, cool. You go, even though you you disagree with my Captain Marvel assessment. I, I love the Captain Marvel movie. I absolutely love that movie. I think Captain and and once again, I haven't read any of the comic books, and I don't want to read them because I once like I, like I said, I feel like they're gonna spoil something for me. I already know. But Captain Marvel was a complete badass. Captain Marvel is a was a was what I would say a demon. I absolutely, I just loved that movie. I thought I went because you gotta think about it. That was that movie was after Infinity War. After Infinity War, we see the little in the end credit scene. Nick Fury hit the little the little uh uh tell whatever the hell it was that like to tell her, hey, come here, we're in trouble, whatever it was. I forgot the name. A pager. But, yes, the pager, the pager, and and we're just sitting there. Galactic pager to go after the yes. <laughs> I was, I was sitting there for months wondering what the hell was that because I hadn't seen the, I, I knew it was Captain Marvel but like what the hell is going to happen what are we about to see what is this how is she going to help blah 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 and, when, and she just went out there and completely just utterly destroyed everything in her pathway was just a monster and I, I after seeing that movie I walked out of that I was with my boy for that one too I walked out the movie theater I said yeah Thanos is about to get his ass kicked to him it's about, it's about to be over it's about, it's about to be over with. 
Okay, all right, okay, all right. Not, I walked out that movie theater not knowing a single damn person in the Marvel Universe that could mess with her. There wasn't a single person I knew that I could think of. She's, she's supposedly the most powerful person in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and she looked like it. Yeah, she's apparently more powerful than Thor. Uh, she's a monster. Even though in the comic books her power rivals Thor, I guess it'd be a better way to put it. As a matter of fact, um, actually, the strongest person probably is actually uh, the Hulk, whose strength truly has no limits, the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets in the comic books. But I know I'm geeking you guys out right now. Well, okay. actually, thank you. Uh, go ahead, Joe. No, no, cool. You do this. This is this is your conversation. Okay, okay. So, thank you. I, I have to ask you, Vince, right now, and this is something. Well, I actually have two questions. One, do you like Infinity War and Game War? And two, uh. I have, I'm just going to be straight up. I absolutely despised, I hated, and it made the movie It made the movie so much worse for me, even though I still loved the movie. It made so much worse to me what they did with Thor's character in Endgame. I hated it. I didn't think it was very funny at all. Fat-ass drunk, fat drunk? Yes, I did not find it funny. I At first, when you walk into one... I thought it was hilarious. Oh, my God. I, I thought it was funny at the beginning. You see him, okay, ha-ha, he's... He's giving up, blah blah. You're good, man. That was hilarious, man. It was a, it was a straight up parody, or it was making poking fun at the whole idea of the, the uh, strapping muscular superhero type. That's what they were. They were having a lot of fun with it. Come on, man. No, they had too much fun with it because th this is supposed to be end game. This is supposed to be the serious thing. And then what made it even worse? What what made it, what made it even worse for me? What made it even worse for me made me just I like like dead ass. I was in the movie theater just completely pissed. Like if you just looked at my face in the movie theater, I just had my eyebrows were squinting. I was just pissed. They was fat ass. That and the fact that at the end, when you have when when uh, Thanos comes to Earth after they they bring everyone back, and they have they have uh, ooh I almost swore on this podcast. Oof. Go for it. But, dude. Uh, Let it all out. Let it all out, man. But, but what's it called? They had they had fucking Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man walking up. It's supposed to be this big moment. This this is what we've been waiting for. The big three, the the demons of the whole. The it's just something building up. Why I can't wait for it. I saw it in the trailer. I thought it was gonna be demonic, but then they get there. Captain America's ready to go. Iron Man's ready to go. And then you got Thor's fat ass, who isn't even in, in, in his best shape. This is supposed to be the final meetup with all of them. The best thing on the the first phase this is supposed to be the final the final fight with all of them at their peak powers against Thanos. And this man Thor is not even at his full strength. He's fat. And no, I, I was so pissed. I was furious. So what are you trying to say, man? Fat people can't get down. Fat people well, can't I'm get down. I'll just say this: Thor is about to get his ass capped into if it wasn't for uh, Captain America summoning the the damn hammer, because Thanos was about to get Thor out of there. So basically, you're trying to say you why are you fat shaming Thor? It, it's not fat. I mean, well, you know what? It is fat shaming Thor. I don't care. It, it, I don't care. No, you have to be at your full strength at that point. He was depressed, so he was drunk all the time. No, no, he can't, no. There's no excuse for that, no. Who's just sad because well, he sees himself in that? I will, I will say this. I, am, I prefer Infinity War because you know why? The bad guy won. I like when the bad guy wins. Oh, no. We lost him. There he went again. What a bummer for okay. Ku. We get I guess in. on that note... 
I, I've done an hour and a half, so uh, or hour and twenty minutes. Hey, <laughs> I think that's plenty, right? Yeah. No, you you can you can leave if you're ready to go. Up uh, unless Koo, unless you want to let Koo yell at you some more. At least. No, I just got back. You disconnected me for a second. What happened? Okay, so I, all, all I said was I like Affinity War better because the bad guy wins. I, I like I like it when the bad guy wins. No, I thought no. I love Affinity War because of that reason too. I love was, and if you want me to be completely honest, when when Thanos walked up there, he throws Tony off of him. And he's ready to snap his fingers. There was loads of part of me hoping that he snapped his finger again and just killed everybody. Okay. Okay. I was hoping for it. So, you know why you thought that? Because Thor is fat ass, and you know, <laughs> and you know, because his he he deserved to win because he's a fat ass, right? No, Thor deserved to die in my opinion. That was awful. That was a pitiful performance put on by Thor. Basically, the dude can't even be depressed, man. No, he can be depressed, Vince, but. He was depressed. In the final fight, Vince, of the entire of that era, the final fight at all, the final fight with the era, he can't be out of shape. He didn't have time to go out and do a uh, go through a Pilates class to 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 cut cut his fat off. Vince, Vince, we sat there in Infinity War and we watched Thor. We watched Thor be made up to be like the most powerful person in the universe. We watched him at peak power in Infinity War just dominate. That's fat. No, it was it was awful. I hated it. Man, I can see right now, dude. Man, so you don't like fat people? I get it now. Okay. No, if he was fat, if he was able to be fat, like okay, for example, Star Lord. Star Lord isn't the best uh, best person in shape, but he's still at peak. He's able to still kick some ass. Thor was out there just getting destroyed by Thanos. Man, I I didn't know, I didn't know you didn't like fat people. Uh, well, if that's what if that's what it is, it is what it is. I think it's a I, phobia. I, I, you came me, man. Now, now I feel kind of hurt toward this. Uh, <laughs> hey, Marvel, if you're Marvel, if you're listening to this, you messed up Thor in the final that final movie. That was awful. Man, I don't know. If I, it's a side of you, cool. I've never saw, seen, man. You don't like. Nah, oh, trust me, Vince. There's a whole side of me that people don't get to witness. You have to keep the PG on the, on, on the Twitterverse and this podcast. Just All tapping right. into it a little bit. I'm surprised you didn't like send an email to Marvel Comics, man. I'm sorry, Marvel Pictures. I'm sorry, Marvel. What's oh, tr- it's been it's been months, and I'm still pissed about it. I still every time we me and my boys talk about, it, I still get pissed. I see. And the fact that Tony died just made it even worse. Because right after right after Thor loses loses his little one, when we watch Tony just get to, just die. No, no. See, see now you have to give me a little worked up. I know, no. Yeah. You wish you'd have been throwing a dad on that field that day. I would have rather throw a die, yes. Okay. Right. Okay. I just I, 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 I don't I don't get it. Uh this 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 this, this anger and, and that's coming out of you right now. Oh no, 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 there's another thing that was even worse about the about the movie that I'll tell you that I hated. What else you don't like? Then another thing I just couldn't despise. The main thing that everyone was talking about after Infinity War. Everyone said, listen, we know the, the superheroes are all not dead, but they have to do a good job of making it feel like not everyone just comes back to life because then all the deaths in Infinity War mean nothing. They literally brought everybody back to life. I want some of them to die. Vision, Vision didn't come back. Vision died. Vision, uh, I don't count Vision. What the count Vision? No, because, Vince, this is why I don't count Vision. Because Vision was supposed to be this demon 
heading into Infinity War, I watched him just go out there and just get destroyed the entire movie of Infinity War. It just, they just made his character look like it was weak as hell after we just watched him be so powerful all the movies beforehand. Yeah. He, he he did kind of go out like a bitch, didn't he? Uh, yes, thank you. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want I didn't want to be the one to say it. But yes, he went out like a complete bitch out there. That was insane. He was getting destroyed. No, no. See, now you're getting even more work. Though. They come they come to wherever they were. Where was it? France or wherever they were at with Scarlet Witch, and, and he just gets destroyed. Just no, no, can't do it. No, no. Always complaining and stuff. Always like kind of whiny all the time, wasn't he? Yes, and, and then also the fact that all of a sudden he develops the emotions and, and starts falling. Oh, maybe we shouldn't go back. What? Well, think about it. Wouldn't you rather just go somewhere with uh, Olsen instead of just going to fight somebody? That's not his purpose. He was created to fight. He wasn't created to get emotions. What would you rather do, Koo? You don't want off with it. You I'm a human. I'm a human. He's not. <laughs> He's human. No, not really. See, see, look at Joe. He's holding vision to a different standard than his own standard, I see. You just admit it. What's her name? The Olsen, Olsen kid? What's her name? Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. She's an Olsen. Her, her uh, older sisters are the Olsen twins. What's her name again? I keep forgetting her name. I don't know. I don't yes. If she asked you to go off somewhere, you would have said yes. Screw this. Nope, I wouldn't have. Not if I had the power vision had. Yeah, what do you think about this? What do you think he Koo would do? Uh, Koo would definitely be out of there. There's no question. No, I wouldn't. He would be, be so far gone. You give me the powers to be a demon like that, I'm out there showcasing why I'm a demon every day. Nah, you'd be off trying to like be off with your girl. Yeah, I, I know how this. I know how this shit works, bro. <laughs> nope, hell no. Nah. We'll be out there in the bathroom. <laughs> okay. So, what is your favorite Avengers film? Infinity War. Okay. Second favorite. Mm. First Iron Man. First Iron Man. Okay. Okay. I'm looking up this girl's name, a woman's name. I'm sorry. Elizabeth Olsen. So, cool would have left. You would have left all of the Avengers if Elizabeth Olsen said, hey, let's go off and be somewhere. I know you would. Nope. We're going to have Oh, okay. All right. Well, I understand how the male mind works better than you do, I see uh, <laughs> I don't care who you brought in front of me. If I had the powers to be a demon like Vision was, I would have been out there showcasing how much of a demon I was every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was there was all kinds of things I had I had a problem with in Endgame. So it is what it is. Well, guys, it's been I've wasted a complete hour and a half with you guys, and we, and we are very that. we're very honored. I appreciate the time, and it was a good time. So. I will. Hey, let's do it again, okay? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Coach. Sounds good. Take care, Coo. Take care, Joe. Yeah, I'll try. Right, thanks, Vince. <laughs> okay. Well, that was something. No, you can't. No, Joe, you don't got me worked up. You almost, you almost made me bring it outside of me. I didn't want to bring it on this podcast. <laughs> Here, just a second. I gotta. Now that it's just you, I gotta turn this down because you're so loud. But I was I was going back and forth. Okay, say something, Zach. Hello. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit better. Um, you know, here, can I just I'm just gonna tell a quick story to hopefully let you get cooled down a little bit about right, when we went to see when I went to see Endgame. Um, I went with my girlfriend, and so she lives in East Grand Rapids, 
which for anybody who doesn't know, East Grand Rapids is like the super hoity-toity, snooty area of Grand Rapids. Like that, it's it's it. It's one of the most, like, aggressively white places that you can possibly go to, okay? And so, we went to this movie, and we went pretty late. So, we didn't get back until, like, 1.30 or so in the morning. And we got back to her house. I'm just dropping her off. And we're parked in front of her house. We're just talking about the movie and stuff, right? For, like, a few minutes. And her neighbor came outside, and he got in his truck, which was right in front of where I was parked down the street. And he, like, pulled out. And then he starts doing, like, laps. He passes us, like, three times. We're like, this is really weird. And then some police come over. And turns out he called the police because he thought we were there to, like, break into his house. Then even funnier is because he was doing laps, someone also apparently called the police on him because they thought he was going to break into somebody's house. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because this guy was all butthurt. And he was like, no, 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 I'm the one who called the police. And they're like, sir, sir, please stay calm. And it was just... It was just the most East Grand Rapids thing ever to me, and it was just funny. Not funny though. It, it was. It was very funny to me. Uh, are you Are you cooled down a little bit now, Coop? Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a bit I'm a bit high. <laughs> okay. Um. So I guess as much as anything, I'd like to sort of go back and touch on some of the things that Vince said about the Pistons. Just I knew I needed to get you and Vince to talk at least a little bit about uh the Avengers movies because I know how you, I know that you can get worked up like that I was just curious to see what you guys would say but um, yeah. so one big thing that he said Koo, that uh, this is the main thing that I wish you had not dropped out of the podcast for he said that so we had James Edwards on last week right and he said that he was very confident that they were going to sign another center right okay Vince said that he heard from at least two or three people that they're very seriously considering going into the season with that spot just open. And even if they do sign another center, they're pretty comfortable at least early in the season with just going with Markeith and Thon as their backup front court. Oh, Jesus. So, cool. how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, you sure you sure just left the, you should you sure opened up with that when Vince was here. When I, as soon as I came back, as soon as I came back, you sure dropped that bomb on me. Cause I would. Oh no, no, I can't, Joe. I can't. If we get Don Maker at center, if that's one that stays, and uh, you know what, it's not even if. It sounds like it's gonna happen. I'm just I'm just. Uh, I mean, for what, I, I don't know what to say, Joe. For what it's worth, he said that they might not just go with that. Um, he suggested that maybe if Seku is more than ready early on, he might take Thon's spot. Um, At might... five? No. So the way he was saying it, Markeith is more likely to play the backup five spot, essentially. Oh, God. And then Thon would be the backup four. I just don't know about this. I don't, God. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought we were talking about Thon at five. We're talking about Markeith at five. I mean, would you rather have Thon play the five? I think both of them are stretching it just a bit, don't you think? This is that's that's a bit of a you're stretching your resources out just a tad. Yeah, I'm I'm not as uncomfortable with Markeith, because Markeith is even though the even though playing center might be a bit much for him, Markeith is actually, you know, a good player. 
So it might even out, but I think Thon is not only not a good fit at center, Thon's just, you know, objectively a bad basketball player. Bro, Markeith, Markeith, so let me just get this straight. Let me just get this straight so I understand completely. They're thinking about having Markeith roll out there as the option all year? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. No, 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 no. If you're trying to tell me that you, Joe, if you're trying to tell me you believe that that man Markeith Morris will be able to to be able to not only handle the physicality that comes with banging with banging with backup centers, possibly, uh, no, 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 he can't. Not for a full season. Maybe in certain situations, maybe for certain spurts, fair. I have no problem with it. But for a full season, strictly at center, no. No. Just no. I'm firmly against it. Firmly, no. Sign Amari Stoudemire. Rather do that. You'd rather sign Amari Stoudemire? Yes. <laughs> really? Joe, you think Markeith will be able to... I don't even know if Markeith will be able to survive a full season at center. Markeith is pretty tough. He, yeah, he's tough for him. You think he can handle a full season? He's one of those guys that can handle it because he's tough for spurts, stretches, a couple stretches each game. No, not full time. He will not. That's like saying that. No, see, no, no, no. What are these backup centers are so terrified of, Koo? Like, is Kem Birch going to just obliterate him? I mean, there's not that many guys that are really scaring me at backup centers. All right, Joe. All right, Joe. We'll write it down there. We'll write it. I'm writing this down in my notes. Look, okay. I'm not saying that it's going to work, but Vince said that they are very strongly considering that as an option. That's all. You want to know why? You want to know why they're considering this as an option, Joe? Thank God you didn't tell me this while Vince was here. You're about to get it ran. You're about to get it ran. <laughs> you want to know why the? You want to know why they're considering some shit like that? You want to know why? Why? Because if they got a backup center, if they got a backup center, that means Thon's bum ass wouldn't be able to play. Because then Marquise would be at the four, and you can't play Thon at the three or something. So they have to find a way to keep Thon in the rotation. No, this is terrible. This is no. I'm I'm firmly against it. Firmly. Firmly, and there's no. This will be not one of those things when after the podcast you'll leave me be. We'll go talk in the group for a couple of days about it. I'll cool down about it. No, no. If they told me, hey, we want to play Marquee at center for some stretches against certain people against certain certain matchups, etc. Perfectly fine with it. He could probably survive it and do pretty well at it. But for a full season, and it's not like he had another big person next to him. If he had another big person next to him, or at least strong and tough, then okay, I would be fine with it. But fine. Thon can't even box out guards. So it's not like it's not like Marquise is going to be having a, a partner helping him down there boxing people out. Marquise is going to have to box out his man and then uh, and then out rebound the other guy who's not boxed out. No, no, no. This is terrible. This is awful. No, <laughs> if he had yeah, no, no, because no, this I'll give you I'll legit give you a, a better situation. Like let's say we had a different small forward and then we had Seku. I trust Seku to help. To, to, to help Markeith on the boards than Thon. I watched Thon literally last year not it being incapable of boxing out guards. <laughs> no. No, this is going to be bad. This is going to be very bad, dude. This, this is going to be awful. Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. Thon can't box out. I'm, I'm so far out on Thon. I don't care. Cause, and no, dude, because even I was seeing Thon at the sidelines at the summer league, just getting disgusted seeing him there. It's getting to a point. It's getting to. It's getting to a point. Why I just don't like Thon? I just don't like him. I just. I don't think he has. I don't. 
when we first traded for him, I tried being helpful, right? And like I said, like we've said before, I even wrote an article talking about how it's working. And and that was working. No, and by the way, the only thing that was working was with Andre, who's 6'11", behemoth, at like 270, helping him out. Now you're talking about pairing down with someone who's just a... No, 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 dude, no. I can't, I can't. This is not going to work. This is not going to This is not going to fucking work. This is not. No. This is awful. <laughs> I feel bad for Markeith. Markeith is about to know, Joe. You know I'm telling the truth. Markeith is going to try his heart. And who knows if Markeith will be able to box out guys 30 pounds, 20 pounds bigger than him at backup center. Even if he does that, you know damn well that the other guy's going to be just swarming in there to get the ball. and Because Don's is going to either whip on the box out or get pushed underneath the rim. Or 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 the or the favorite the, the my favorite Don move he'll just follow him he'll he'll just follow him he'll just follow him on the rebound he'll, he'll realize that he's opposition and he'll just follow no this is gonna be awful this is gonna be trash okay well glad that we have that out there your feelings on such a potential if we if we had someone if we had someone like, I'll give you this if we had a bigger power force someone at least the same size as Mark Keith. Right next to him? Okay, fair. No, not with Thon. Thon is the same way as a paper. He get no, he's about it. Thon is about as weak as wet toilet paper. No. <laughs> Two ply. Just no, no. Can't. Can't do it. If Thon, I'll say this if Thon actually is getting bigger and he's bigger, I'll retract my statements. But I saw him at the sidelines of that summer league game. That man looks exactly the same way he looked when he left. Okay. Well, I. So, unless he just puts on a bunch of pounds before this season starts in what, two months, three months, preseason starts in what, two months? No. Okay. No. Um. All right. Well, we know where Koo stands on that. I'd rather assign Joe. Sign Joe and put him out there. I mean, Joe would put. No, actually, Joe would. No, I'm not even thinking about that. Joe would push Ronthon Maker. Let that, Thon come play pickup with us one time. I guarantee you, Joe starts bullying him around. I mean, to be fair, Joe is not a small person. Joe is six. How tall are you, Joe? I'm like 6'2. Okay, 6'2". Thon is what, 7 foot, 6'11"? No, no. That's no. What do you mean Joe's not a, big, not a small person? Thon's huge. What do you mean? No. See, if you're letting Joe 6'2", 6'2", non-basketball player Joe, if he's going to cause you problems, no. Oh, my God. Jeez. Oh, my God. I'm going to have I a mean, stroke. Cool. I oh weigh, like, 285 pounds, though. Like, I'm no, not, Joe, I'm not it a doesn't small matter. person in terms of boxing people out. No, Joe, I don't care. Joe, just answer this simple question with a yes or no. Did we, did we yes or no witness Don struggle to box out guards? Yes. Okay, this is going to be trash. This is going to be god-awful. It's, oh, my God, it's going to be like Zaza, but worse. Oh, my God, this is about to be worse. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's about to be worse than Zaza. Oh my, it, it, we might as well, this might be worse than, and oh, my Jesus. You know what this is bringing me back? You know why? No, oh my Jesus, dude. It, it's, it's making me remember the days of CJ. What's his name? CJ or Chris Wilcox? Back, back, back. No, oh my God, Jesus. We're going to have to tack on the uh, listener discretion advised tag to this podcast. I, I, so I know what God was doing. God did this on purpose. He purposely kicked me out the podcast when, <laughs> and said that. I would have I popped up. No. 
No. We would have never made it to the Mar. We would have never made it to talk about Marvel because I still would be screaming about it right now. That's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> no, this is, this is no, this is this is insane. No. Here, Koo. Here, Koo. Just remember, they will have Derrick Rose on the floor at the same no, time. No, Derrick Rose so, won't help with this. So Derrick won't help. You'll be able Luke to still enjoy yourself. No, I won't be able to enjoy myself. This is this is god awful. Let me just say this one more time. For the analysis of what has been said to me, the real analysis, if we had someone at least as strong as Marquise, as tough as Marquise next to him at four, okay, I could see it working. Thon is not nowhere. No. Oh, my God. No. He can't. He's not strong enough. He's too weak. He gets pushed around too much. He often finds himself underneath the basket when boxing out. And if he's not underneath the basket boxing out, he's following somebody. And if he's not following somebody by going over the back or for a rebound, he's dropping the damn ball when he goes up for the rebound because he can't catch a ball. So he's just fumbling it. Actually, I, I remember a specific play. I forget what game it was. I, I remember a specific play. John went for a rebound, went to bring it down, and literally no one was in. No one was even touching him. He grabbed it, went to bring it down to his chest, lost it out of bounds. No, this is no. I can't. I can't do it. This is this has this has every there is every re, no. There's Joe can't even hit me. I don't care what Joe says. I don't want to hear the oh, there's logic. I don't see a logic in any of this. No, Thon is going to get bullied. Marquee, we're going to be with. Um, you guys remember when we when we tried John Lure at center, and it, we the problem was he just could, we got out rebounded. What do you think is going to happen now? Oh my God, this is we're, we better we better hope that Seku's down there crashing the glass hard as hell, by, saving Thon Maker's ass. And if he's doing that, and if, if Seku has to do that, then we're taking away from what I think he's actually going to be successful at, which is transition offense. He can't be in transition running the floor. Is having to save Thon's ass down low on the no. And the pod. And the pod. I'm going to keep going for another 20 minutes. Hold up. Hold up. What if... Think about this for a moment. What if you stagger Andre and Blake so that one of those guys is on the floor all the time so that Thon is either next to Andre or Blake and then Markeef is next to Andre or Blake? Nope. Nope. Can't work. I mean... We witnessed. We witnessed the, the. We witnessed the attempt at staggering last year. No. But what if it did? All right, Joe. Well, at that point, if you're asking me about that stuff, what if Dwayne Casey learns how to break a zone? And, I mean, we might <laughs> just go ahead and go all the way out left field at that point. What if, what if Dwayne Casey learns how to break a zone? I mean, well, that's just. It's, this is stuff that's not going to happen, Joe. Because in the podcast, no, I can't. Once I know they I'm trade proud. for Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook will break the zone for them. No, the only thing that no, the only thing Russell Westbrook might do that would appease everybody on this podcast right here, Don might be included in a Westbrook trade. So then we won't have to worry about Don having to play. That's the only thing he's exceed. No, I can't. You know, Russ is a good enough rebounder that you could maybe actually play Thon next to him and get away with it. So, 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 Joe, and that's fair. So, are you saying that you want Russ now? No. <laughs> okay. So once again, we're working in fairy tale land. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, I'm, and you know, for me, it doesn't even come down to that I think he's such a bad fit with Markeith. I just think that they should be trying to make it so that Thonmaker doesn't play. Well, obviously they want to see him play, Joe. So obviously, what we've seen in this summer, what we've heard about Thonmaker this summer from people that we know, people that we've talked with, from what we've understood is that they're hoping to see something from Thon this year. 
So apparently, they obviously want him to play. They believe that he'll be able to do something. But if he does, it, I'll tell you this much: if he does something, if he does do something, oh, actually, no, I won't go that far. I'm not eating no tweet. I won't do that. Actually, I'll, <laughs> I'll step back. I'll step back. I'm not going to do that. But do I, 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 I highly. I'm 99.9% sure that Thon isn't going to show what people think, what apparently some people think he'll show. I'm curious as to what exactly people think he's going to potentially do. Like, the one thing that he's shown flashes of that could be an improvement would be if he could shoot, like, 34% from three. But then you basically got, like, okay, so he's a mediocre shooter now and a guy who's a bad defender who occasionally blocks some shots. Like, I'm just, like, what even, that's the upside for him, you know? <laughs> and even, the upside for Thon Maker is a mediocre basketball player. And that's the thing that's kind of baffled me about him this whole time, quite frankly. I'm done, Joe. I have nothing else to say. Nothing else at all. Nope, I, nope, can't keep going like this. I'll be at it all night. Okay, um... What, if, what, if, what if what if they what if they sign Todd Withers and then he plays instead of Thon? Where? Power forward. No. What's wrong with Todd Withers? I like Todd. He he has he have has he ever played in the NBA? No. Alright, so if we're if that's what we're betting on now, we might as well just say toss the title in. So you'd rather play Thon at power forward than Todd Withers? Yep. Okay. I'll remember that. Okay, remember it. A few months from now. <laughs> Once again, if Todd Withers had an actual center next to him, then fine. But no, he has Markeith, apparently, what's going to happen. Okay, here, here's something that I want to touch on before we do finish up, okay? And I, crew, you you know full well, I hate to be the guy who dampens no, the fun. No, don't do the logic fun. shit. Don't no, do no, it. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Thonmaker, okay? People got to chill a little bit on Luke Kennard. <laughs> like, we okay. Are, thank you for bringing this up. Thank we are you for bringing up this. officially to the point where, like, okay, e- so Eli Bashy, who we love a great deal, okay, we both like Eli on Twitter a whole lot, right? Eli tweeted today: Imagine a world where Luke Kennard takes twenty-two shots a game. I know that it's wild, but just think about it for a moment. Bro, do you realize how many shots 22 per game is? Blake Griffin didn't take 22 shots per game last year. Russell Westbrook took 22 shots per game twice in his career. One was the season where Kevin Durant got hurt. The other was the season after Kevin Durant left when he won MVP. That's insane to think that Luke Kennard should be taking 22 shots a game. And here's another thing, okay? Cool. Are you are you are you muted? Just like some sound doesn't yep. leak. Okay, I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah, I'm, here. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, and once again, we're both big fans of Luke Kennard here. Okay, and that's one of the reasons you know that some of you people have gotten way too far out of pocket. Is when two dudes who are big fans of Luke Kennard and see big things in his future are like, okay, hold up. So like, here's a big thing that a lot of people seem to think that is just not true that there's a lot of people that think that the only reason Luke Kennard doesn't get more shots up is because it's some combination of Dwayne Casey sucking, Reggie Jackson being a ball hog, and Blake Griffin being a ball hog, okay? 
it's not just that simple. Luke Kennard is not always fast to shoot, okay? He needs to just be able to pull the trigger more often. There's a degree to which there's almost it's almost like uh, Steph Curry has this a little bit, where he one of the reasons that he's so efficient is that it's hard for him to take um, really high difficulty shots because or really contested shots just because he can't get those shots off. So he only takes shots when he creates enough space to do it, right? He's not a guy who's going to have the ball and have someone right in his grill, and he's just going to shoot right over him, right? And so as a result of that, he's not going to get some shots off. I don't think he's ever going to be a super high-volume scorer. And part of that is Luke Kennard, okay? It's not Reggie Jackson's fault. It's not Dwayne Casey's fault. It's because Luke Kennard does not always have a quick enough trigger finger. Luke Kennard likes to dribble a little bit. He likes to kind of survey things a little bit. And he needs to create some space. He can't just get his shot off at any time. So I just wanted to make sure we were clear about this, okay? We like Luke Kennard a lot. We got high expectations for him. The Pistons need him to have a good season. But let's chill a little bit, okay? Luke Kennard should not be taking more shots than Blake Griffin this season, all right? Luke Kennard is probably topping out as, like, a great tertiary option, like a really great third option, okay? That's probably where he's topping out, which would be great. It'd be stupendous. Luke Kennard is not a first option in the offense, and he shouldn't be. You can't be a first option in the offense when you struggle as much around the hoop as he does when you get blocked all the time like he does, when you don't draw a lot of fouls like he does. And even though he's a good passer, he's not like an elite passer. If you're not going to be someone who can consistently get to and finish at the hoop and draw fouls, you need to be both an elite shooter and an elite passer. He is an elite shooter. He's just a good passer. He's not a great passer. So I just wanted to say that. Cool. If you want to tag anything else onto it, you can. All I'll say is... Like Joe said, we're big fans of Luke. I love Luke. Luke is Luke is cool, but damn it, we're getting too out of pocket with this. We're getting we're getting too wild with this. And I even I've even accused I've even accused our friends. I've even accused Joe. I've accused our friends Martin and Sham. I've accused multiple people of just being too out of pocket with Luke. And it is what it is. I think I love Luke. I think he's great. Love his family. His mom's great. Likes all of our articles. But let's calm down. Okay. Um, Koo, is there anything else you want to touch on? Otherwise, we can finish up. We're at almost two hours. <laughs> uh, basically, all I'm going to say is just I'll finish that Luke uh, thought with, like Joe said, trust me, I'm not the biggest fan of Dwayne Casey. I think everyone knows that. But... Uh, it, some of it definitely falls on Luke. Lucas has that. That is my biggest criticism. I'll, I said it in his player review, his season review. My biggest critique of him is that he needs to have a quicker trigger finger. He doesn't. He hesitates too much. And even Joe said he needs space to get shots off. There's, there's plenty. There's been that, that's true. But there's been plenty of times, multiple times, and sometimes multiple times throughout each game, where he just passes up good looks. He doesn't shoot it. He doesn't. He, he doesn't take the shot that's there. He's he. He, I don't know what I don't want to say scared. He just I don't know what it is. He needs to have a quicker trigger finger when he when anytime he gets space or he gets to look, he needs to just let let it go. Because all of us want him to. It's not like we don't want him to score. We want him to let it fly. That, that's what we want him to do. I know what it is. Okay, 
It's exactly because we've talked about this. We talked about most recently with Seiko, okay? Where one of the benefits to Seiko and one of the reasons why you think maybe he's going to be able to play sooner than people think is that Seiko has spent all of his basketball career learning to be a great pro. Luke Kennard was the superstar in high school. He wasn't the superstar right away in college, but his sophomore year in college, he was the guy on a team that had Jason Tatum and Grayson Allen on it, which is wild to think about, actually. But he was the best offensive player on that team. He is so used to being the guy that he he hasn't learned those habits of, when I catch the ball, I need to just shoot it. He's instead, he's like, when I get the ball, well, I'm the guy. So I get to dribble a bunch. I get to, you know, I can drive. I can try and create a shot inside, whatever. And that's what it is. And, you know, when we talk about Seku, or another good example is, when we talked last season about what exactly is it that Bruce Brown did to make it work with the starting lineup. One of the things that he did is he didn't dick around with it. When he got the ball, he either, I, he, he obviously, he didn't shoot very well, but he'd either shoot it. He'd pass it, he'd get set right again, right? He didn't dick around with it. He immediately locked into, I'm a role player whose job is to try and not get in everyone else's way. Immediately, that's what he got to. Luke Kennard isn't there yet. That's one of the reasons he looks so good with the bench, but when playing with Blake Griffin and to a lesser extent Reggie Jackson, he doesn't look as good because he's not used to having other people on the floor who, no, they're the guys. We need you to just be off the ball run around, set some screens, run off of screens, and just let it fly every single chance you get. And that's something that has to be learned. And maybe he does learn it, maybe he doesn't. I'm certainly optimistic. But I just want to make it clear, that is a Luke Kennard thing. That is not a Dwayne Casey thing. That is not a Reggie Jackson doesn't pass enough thing. That is a Luke Kennard thing. And he does have to learn it. Because contrary to what some people apparently think, Luke Kennard is almost certainly not going to be good enough to be that number one option in the NBA. So he does need to learn to do this if he's going to maximize his potential. And that's what I'll say about it, I guess. Yep, that's fine. Yeah. I think I think he can still I think he's gonna be a I think Luke has the chance to be a, a great player. But yeah, he obviously no question. Um I made I think Luke is the sort of good that he could be a 20-point scorer on a really good team. I think that he could be the sort of guy who... And it's different, but I think he could be something akin to a guard version of Tobias Harris, right? Where on a really good team, he could be just that sort of hyper-efficient scorer who's sort of the third guy. You know, he isn't necessarily always creating or whatever, but he's just... He, he picks his spots well, and he's such a good shooter that he just, he's super efficient, and he's just perfect in that role. I think Luke could kill in that role. But he's got work to do, people. Let's not jump the gun, because next thing you know, people are going to start to hate Luke Kennard because of people like that who just think that he's way better than he actually is. I, I agree. On the other hand, though, there was a poll, um, I think Zach Noble put it up on Twitter, um, asking who had the most value between Andrew Wiggins... Luke Kennard, uh, Tyler Harrow, or Justice Winslow. And Luke Kennard was last in votes, which is wild to me. 
absolutely wild. Like, there's people I'll who think, based on a few summer league games, that Tyler Harrow is more valuable than Luke Kennard. There's people who th- would rather apparently have Andrew Wiggins and Andrew Wiggins' contract than Luke Kennard. And I'll say this, Joe. Uh, I don't know when you looked at the poll, but I saw the same poll. When I looked at it, Luke was second. Well, that's because Pistons fans got a hold of it. Oh, fair enough. Nah, that, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, we did. Like, I mean, I tweeted at him, like, what the fuck even is this? Oh, I just swore. Oops. But, like, I tweeted at him, like, it kind of, we kind of got a hold of it and swapped it around. But before Pistons fans got a hold of it, he was last and by a long shot, like, a, a, a fair distance. That's wild to me. It is. So, yeah. So that's all I want to say about that, okay? Just pump the brakes a little bit, people. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Anything else you want to touch on here, Koo? Nope, that's it. Life, liberty, oh, uh, actually, no, yes, happiness. I do. Yes, I do. All right. I'm going to plug my YouTube. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I'm back on YouTube at Koo's Ballroom. Uh, I just, I've dropped two videos this week. One about uh, Russell Westbrook and the other one about signing Derrick Rose. I'll be dropping content back on there routinely now. I took a bit of a break away from it, but I'm back. I'm going to be dropping a lot of it. I also made a Twitter account for that YouTube account. Same thing, Coos Ballroom. Go ahead and follow that so you can tweet at me at if you want requests for a video about, you want to talk about a video, give me some ideas, uh, all that stuff. Just go ahead and hit that up. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you can get a, an update anytime I upload a video. And, yeah, I'll be coming out with content about anything you guys want to request. I'm going to stay mostly Pistons and Lions and Lions coming out, but if there's something else around the NBA you guys want me to talk about, request it. I, I can do that for you guys, too. Um, Yeah, so go follow Koo there. Guys, support people on all their things. And, you know, as long as you brought this up, um, I think now would be as good a time as they say this because I'm pr- we're probably going to at least run a test of this hopefully sometime next week, which I hadn't even told Koo this, but... Um, so we have a plan to make an addition to the content that we're making together, um, where we're hoping to do a sort of live show, which includes video. Um, I need to get, cause as once again, I think I mentioned this before, but so I built a new computer, which is why we've been podcasting regularly again. And, um, it was designed with this in mind in order to try and make, be able to do this. And so that's another thing that we're hopefully going to try and do. Um, I don't know exactly when we get that started. I'm sure there will be a bunch of kinks we have to work out. But that's another thing, um, if you enjoy this podcast, to look forward to is that hopefully we probably would only want to do that like once a week. Um, and then we'd probably talk about some more national things, not necessarily just Piston stuff. Um, but if you like the content we produce, that's another thing to look forward to is that we're hopefully going to do a sort of live show um, with video of both of us. And so then when Koo goes wild, you can see him sort of, you can see him react instead of just here. Um, I don't know. It's I think that it's, super fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool thing. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, since Koo's plugging his YouTube channel and he's getting that back going, uh, figured now's as good time as any to say that. that. That's something that is hopefully on the horizon fairly soon. Uh, yeah, so I think that's all we really have to say. So. Uh, stay beautiful, everybody. Oh, wait, wait. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, yep. make sure you download it. It should be available all sorts of places. Spread the word about it. Um, you know, we've been having... Look, we've been having some real good guests on. We've now had uh, three of the four beat writers. I doubt Keith Langlois would have a whole lot of interest in coming on here. But, you know, we've had on some beat writers. We're having some more on. Uh, some more guys on. Actually, tomorrow we're recording with Evan Damarell, who is... 
uh, the Cavs writer for Forbes.com. Um, we're probably going to have Duncan Smith on fairly soon. I'm going to keep working on trying to get some other guys on. I think that we should, I'm going to try and get on uh, someone from the Thunder uh, to try and talk about Russell Westbrook some more with them, get their opinion on some things. But So yeah, we're doing some cool things. Uh, now that I've got my computer up and going so we can record regularly, um, we're, we're really putting in some work here. So if you like the podcast, subscribe. And tell people about it. Let people know that this is what we're about and that this is a good thing to do. And hopefully some bigger and cooler things are coming on. Anything you want to add on to that, Coop? Nope. All right. Subscribe so, to the channel. Thank you for listening. Yeah. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.